Hey, this is Nathan Gooden with Vault Comics, and you're listening to Top 5 Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Hello there. And we have CBS, which would be me. That is you. Master's Ceremony. I don't like that. That, that might stick it later. No, I like MC. Master's yeah. Ceremony. Yeah, it's Master not, of Ceremonies. I like it. Seems like bravado for the sake of bravado. Well, it is your show. I mean, I, you know, I feel like it's a shared entity, to be honest. It is so much your show that last week you did it by yourself, and I, I mean, apologize That's again only because that. the world's the world's shaped slightly different right now, and that's it's just a matter of trying to keep the people... I mean, the people, audience engaged. True. Our followers, top fivers. That doesn't sound right. Oh, I like that. We should shop that a little bit. Top fivers. Maybe right? shop that around. I guess yeah, if you really? can come up with better email, better names than the top fivers, then uh, I mean, I guess send us an email at top five comics podcast dot com. Yeah. I will try to pay attention and see if there's stuff that shows up. If I get a bunch of weird stuff though, I'm just gonna close a stupid account. <laughs> I can't. I have no time between emails from comic book companies. It, yeah, it's 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 a never-ending wave of and then with Hotmail like or uh, uh, it's Hotmail and Gmail. No, not Gmail. What's the other one called? Outlook. Oh, Outlook. With Outlook yeah. being like, hey, everybody, you know how we told you there's going to be limits on your accounts? Well, guess what? Those limits are real today, and it's been a problem because <laughs> you know I've been using that same email since two thousand nine. Really? Yeah. Wow. And there's a lot of emails in there. There, were, well, there's a bunch of stuff that was business stuff, and like a lot of it's important from the old days. But then there's a whole bunch of 2011, 2012 that don't really matter so much unless you want to read old ads and old pitches and old solicits. Of which I just realized there's probably a couple that, that the books never came out, and they'd be kind of cool to have. And now I feel like I deleted them in waves, out of anger. Anyway, um, see so today we're doing episode number two hundred and one. And after falling off the wagon entirely, I'm going to try to get back on track. <laughs> Whew. Sorry, everybody. Thanks for bearing with me. It's like I had a mental breakdown for a second. Uh, it so, is Friday. It's been a long day. I mean, that's true. It's, it's, already, it's already been a week, and there's still three more days. Well, you're like me. You, I mean, the, the, this week, I'm six days. So right. You're, you're, six days, you're six days a week every week. That's pretty much It's true. a lot. It's a lot, man. You have a very good point there. Um, see, so today we're going to be doing... Uh, Silk number one, this is the 2023 series, and they were going to be doing Mighty Barbarians, um, number one, and then DC's Green Lantern number one, uh, 2023 as well, obviously, because that's the year it is. Um, so yeah, so we got Marvel, um, Ablaze, and then DC on the list tonight for the companies making the comics that doesn't go along. Uh, and then we have an interview uh, from WonderCon. This is actually the last interview I did of the show, the WonderCon show this year. Um, although there are a couple other interviews and pieces that we'll get in other episodes, so it's not the last piece from the actual event. But this is the last interview I did at the event. That is not a piece anybody needed. But now you know, and the rest of that song I can't sing. Anyway, the interview is with uh, Kaj Kunstman and uh, John Grillo. John Gr- John is a uh, is a uh, Kaj's. Excellent pitch man, and Kaj uh, is an Irish writer. Anyway, we talk about their book a little bit. As far as a thing, I think she's a real fun artist. Like, it's good stuff. Um, the book they were pitching out there is a book called uh, Warhead. We talk a little bit about that in the interview. If you want to look them up or, or 
her up. The uh, website to use is BioLuminPress.com. Um, so that's B-I-O-L-U-M-E-N Press, P-R-E-S-S dot com. And that'll take you to all their stuff. Anyhow, um, so we'll run that afterwards. But before all that, Pal, you got a little news over there? What's in the news? Yeah, I got some news. Excellent. Got a couple things. Um, I am beyond excited for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I soak up and eat up every morsel of information I can get on it. Um, so they're saying that it is coming in at a runtime of two hours and 19 minutes. Oh man. So I'm, uh, yeah, that makes me super excited. That trailer just gets me hyped, man. I, I, I loved the first one so much. I listened to the soundtrack probably Man, once or twice a month. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I would argue that across the spider, wait, what's the first one? Across, across the spider verse. Uh, across the spider verse, yeah. Um, is into the spider verse, sorry, into the spider verse is arguably one of the best comic book movies ever. It is so good. Um, so yeah, yeah, I thought that was a fun little tidbit. Um, Beetlejuice too. Did you hear about this? I've yeah, I've heard some stuff and I've seen a couple pictures. So they're giving it a release date of next fall. Um, they're saying September sixth, twenty twenty four, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, as far as actor doing things, do I think it should happen sooner? Well, of course. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Sooner. Um, but as far as a thing, I mean, it seems like a cool idea, and with what they've got going on now, and especially with Michael, like just being everywhere all of a sudden again, which is great, and like, even Winona. Like both of them, I don't know if Winona's going to be in it. The way because they, they got Jenna Ortega for sure, right? The way I understand it, apparently Jen's supposed to be the daughter. Maybe that's what I understood. The breaking news about this is today they got Willem Dafoe. Oh, that's cool. He officially joined today, so it's like, man, this cast is shaping up to be pretty awesome. Hmm, that is interesting. That's what I thought too. I was like, Willem Dafoe in a Beetlejuice movie? I'm in. I mean, why not? I mean, that guy plays crazy, too, so yeah. maybe we'll get some other uh, offset character alongside the old juice. That's that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Venom 3 is reportedly, 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 that's a, that's a, a D, not a B, Mr. Brown, um, going to shoot sooner rather than later. They're saying um, probably beginning of next, oh. Principal photography could start as early as June 5th. That's cool. Do we need Venom 3? No. But? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I don't dislike those guys. They're, I feel like Tom Hardy does a fine job. And as far as Venom being right, okay, well, he looks right. And I don't feel like... 2 was a nightmare, man. Well, 2 relied a lot on the craziness of Woody Harrelson. And it's not that Woody can't play crazy. It's just that there's a lot of things in that movie... There's a lot of things that don't don't resonate right, I guess. Cletus Cassidy is a is an absolute crazy psycho oh, yeah. person. And that was not the person we saw on screen. And I feel he's much more menacing and I did not see that with, I with think Woody. As Carnage is when it comes to Woody, I think that we were all hoping he would channel the Natural Born Killers, which sits slightly different. I agree. And this is more of a... Zany? It's more of a zany version of that. And I 
I, I think the truth of that is probably really the, the rating of the movie. I mean, if you're going to go PG-13, then you're stuck with him only being able to do certain things. And yeah, but the character still is not that character. No, that's true. Right. And, and and I, you want to know who I blame? I blame Andy Serkis a little bit. You know, it's, it's it's like his debut as a large film that wasn't because he had Mowgli or whatever for Netflix. But right, I, I was like, this is not, this isn't it, man. Right, and we, I think I'm sure we talked about it in the podcast the however many years ago it was, um, but like as a thing, there's just pieces of disconnected, and like, like the heaviest piece was when we were dealing with him as a young kid. I think heaviest piece, maybe not the worst for everyone. But when we're dealing with him in the insane asylum, we don't do a euthanized, that's not the right way to say that, we don't do a de-aged Woody. Correct. We cast somebody totally different, which is fun. Euthanized is something completely different, by the way. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> I, every time I say it, I'm like, as funny as my brain thinks it is, someday that will be very uh, not okay. Right, it won't. Like, right now, it's super funny to me, but... In life, someday it won't be so funny. Eventually, it won't be. That's terrible. No, I and I know it's bad. I know it's, there's some things I say wrong on purpose because of how funny I think sure, it is. Sure, sure. And then hindsight, I'm like, you like, know, maybe not. One day that's not going to be funny. No, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. One, one day, day it won't be funny. <laughs> Just it will be a minute. I hope. I mean, I hope it's a long time before it's sure. not yeah, funny. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And we put Woody's voice inside the guy, and the lip sync is not. Mm-mm. It's there, but it's not Mm-mm. right. Mm-mm. So, like, we really should have the kid attempt to talk like Woody. Sure, yeah. Or had Woody attempt to talk like the kid, not talk like Woody. Right. Because it just doesn't look right. Like, the sync, yeah, and syncing things is a nightmare. Having made music videos. Sure. Uh, for our dear friend, uh, it, it is impossible. And take after take after take, no matter how many times you play the same track, I mean, sometimes you have to cut three different scenes together to get one line of actual right. tracking right. mouth movement, which doesn't seem like it should be a thing, but totally is. So I get that it's hard. That's, that, that's on a that's no nothing. pay scale, you know. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure in a in a professional setting, it's oh yeah, it's entirely, hundreds of shots you have to put. Entirely different nightmare. Yeah. So entirely I, different nightmare. Entirely. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I can't, I can't front them too bad, but these are also people being paid decent amounts of money to do what they're doing. Sure. So like you know, wait, you didn't get paid for those? Yeah, I work a lot for free. <laughs> it's terrible. I really should be better about that in life, but I'm, I'm a giver. I guess, <laughs> is the problem. There's a lot of jokes to go with that that aren't appropriate. <laughs> I think you're a great friend and a, and a good a good giver, good giver, sir. <laughs> so funny. Uh, <laughs> we don't need a carnage or a new Venom movie, but obviously, Sony thinks we do. So that's that's what's happening. Um, Try clean up the mess. Sure. DC is introducing Wonder Woman's daughter, Trinity. You hear about this? So, yeah. Um, Wonder Woman 800. Right. So we're getting to the end of this this particular series of Wonder Woman that's using the legacy numbers. Uh, issue 800 is going to be its big climax for the series. And uh, they're doing it as a giant size issue. And so it's got a couple different stories involved and a couple different artists involved. Uh, but issue 800, yeah, it's supposed to seal the origin of this new character or first appearance of this new character. Now, whether that means that when we get to issue one of the new Wonder Woman series following afterwards, speculators online try to argue which one's which, it depends on what's the number one. Uh, but yeah, it's like a thing, it's a send-off for the series, and it's an issue 800, so in the legacy of numbers, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, Flash is also hitting number 800. I don't think we're getting a new 
I mean, we take care of a new baby recently, I guess. But it's not tied in the same way. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this really is. So that comes out on June 20th. Um, following her Wonder Woman 800 debut, Trinity will play a role in Diana's upcoming Dawn of DC solo series, which is by Tom King um, and illustrated by Daniel Sampier. Right. And Tom, he's got books that everyone feels are wins and books that some people feel are misses. I would say most of them are wins. I they mean, are. Honestly, they it, really are. Uh, our biggest gripe is just that the Bane thing went on too right. long. And that's, at this point, that's the only one that really aim at. And I'll, I'll give you, depending on who you are, maybe Adam Strange wasn't your bag of nuts. But Adam Strange, I thought was, I liked it a lot. I mean, I can't think of any other book that I've ever had a series of panels in a book that were basically the same scene with just dialogue that I didn't say, hmm, I'm done. And it was done very, very well. I mean, we actually reviewed that book on the podcast too. So like when it comes to wins, I mean, we've done a lot of King's work actually um, on the podcast. Well, and obviously, I mean, we've, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but uh, Gunn obviously thinks he's something worth, you know, worth, worth his weight in gold. He's on the board. Right. From what, we're, what, did, what did we, did we figure out what they were called? Not the board. What they're called? Yeah, I don't remember. What The architects or something. Something Anyways, like that. Anyways, but he's on the board and then then he's going to do basically his version of what it sounds like is Super Supergirl. Well, they were saying the uh, Supergirl woman of tomorrow was going to be what they yeah. were using for the basis for the movie. Which, yeah, that's Tom King. And, it, and it's a good book. It really is. It's got an interesting kind of spin at the end. It's not... It's it's really good. If you get a chance to read it, you really should. It's it's a good book. Um, and just, like, in King in general, I mean, as a person... All the run-ins I've had with him in life have been very admirable. Um, I, I mean, we, I've talked to him at multiple conventions. He did a bumper for our show, actually. Several, nice. I mean, so nice. depending on how long you've been listening, you've heard the man. One of the coolest things he did, so several years ago, and I know I've mentioned this before, and now it's just being on repeat, but if you haven't heard it before, then it's new to you. So one of the other guys on that who's been on the show, too, Joel, did a set of interviews with us back at one of the Denver Comic-Cons. Uh, Joel, at one point, proposed to his... Uh, fiance lady and he got tom king to help him do that and tom basically facilitated making it happen which is really awesome as a thing to do for somebody i mean it's really cool um if, if you haven't heard the story before so the way it works joel at one point got a hold of him on the internet and it's like yeah i want to do this thing you got catwoman and batman's whole wedding issue and blah blah blah, blah. anyway eventually he gets tom to, you know i don't know how long that part took but Tom agrees to do it, and so at the Denver Comic-Con, me and Joel and the lady in question all got in line to get autographs from Tom King. The way they were set up, they were doing, I think they were doing two books free, and then I think it was five five bucks each book afterwards or something like that. And so uh, he would given her a couple of books to get signed, and of course he was getting a couple of his own books signed in order for it to get recorded, is why I was there, third wheeling it up, leaving everyone else around the booth. And so, uh, yeah, we went through the line, and we get up there, and so he had arranged for, instead of just signing the book, for him to write on the front of the book, Will You Marry Me? And uh, so he gives him the book to sign, and of course it's the proposal, the Catwoman Batman proposal I remember book. this story. This right. Is, yeah, this was very nice. Yeah, it's really cool. And so he hands him the book, and then and then he just, Joel distracts her for a couple of seconds, so she doesn't look at what he's writing. And uh, the whole time it's super funny, because... Uh, Mitch uh, Gerard's is is there signing as well, and so Mitch is like, there's a pile of books, and Mitch moves in the video like five or six times, trying to look unassuming. It's hilarious, uh, but yeah, then he 
she, you know, she looks back down, he turns the book around, slides it over to her, and she reads in front of it, and then of course, you know, things unfold. Um, it was really great. It was a really cool thing to do, and, like, as a, I don't know, as a moment in life, very cool. The man fully facilitated that, so, as a thing, a dude's, a dude's a winner as far as I'm concerned. That's pretty um, cool. But yeah, when it comes to series and stories, if you've never read a Tom King book before, he he does pace things in a certain way. And like when it comes to stories, a good one to look at that's a shorter one would be uh, Batman Killing Time. And it's really fast-paced. It's a very different year than other books. Uh, but he wrote the Batman Catwoman series that is a continuation out of his regular series. Mm-hmm. He wrote Batman for nearly 100 issues. Um, so the dude's got a lot under his belt, and he is very good. But the the Supergirl Woman Tomorrow as a standalone story, fantastic read. So yeah, I think that would be cool. Him doing Wonder Woman would be an interesting take and see what happens. So two stories that kind of intertwine with what we were just talking about, obviously, because they're DC-related. Uh, apparently Anti-Monitor is showing up in The Flash, seven ninety nine, which comes out on Tuesday. I mean, that would make sense. We're dealing with some stuff out in... Well, out in the cosmos, really. So, so eight hundred is going to be an anniversary issue, and it'll be a little different. Um, but from what we understand, it is a giant anti-monitor, which is cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, well, yeah. Wonder Woman and Flash are both celebrating their issue one eight hundreds in the legacy of the series. That's cool. And so both books are being done up like a little more anthology style. So they're fatter books. I think they're. I think the normal price tag is five ninety nine on the regular books. I'm pretty sure that's right. But they're they're bigger size books, so they're not normal size. Both of them are the accolade eight hundred as far as uh, nomenclature. Which Batman just has a issue five or is issue nine hundred. Uh, number one thirty five of the current run is legacy number nine hundred. Mm. It was also done up as a big. Well, I remember that just the Detective Comics one thousand. I think that was like nine dollars or whatever I mean, yeah it wasn't bad more like a more like a trade it was designed more like a trade it was definitely more like a trade yeah uh, these ones i don't think are saddle stitch or i think no i'm sorry i think these are saddle stitch not not the i don't even know what they call that anymore staple uh, well saddle stitch is staple oh oh they are saddle stitch mm-hmm. that's oh what, that's what those are these ones i don't remember if they're saddle stitch or not mm. i guess I, I yeah like i said i don't i don't entirely remember that part of the write-up one thousand wasn't. It was like an actual. It had like an actual bound. Yeah, it's, bind on it's it. perfect. A perfect bound of things. What they call ba- it? Yeah, bound. Yeah, because it's with the glue and everything like right. a trade. Right. Whether that's actually called per- perfect, you know, I usually know that stuff. And I don't remember right now. It's Friday. It's been yeah, a long one. I guess so. Uh, James Gunn has confirmed that Superman Legacy will start filming in January next year. This was in a Wired interview that I listened to, and I just found the article about it, and I was like, oh. I remember uh, checking out that uh, Wired video he does with his brother, Sean, talking about Guardians 3. Um, some interesting stuff and tidbits about that. But, um, yeah, so that means we should get casting pretty soon, my friend. That's true. Auditions are happening, from what I understand. Well, maybe... Oh, they might might still be happening. So there's two things we need to continue to talk about here, and they're all leading into this perfectly, but the writer strike... So apparently, and this has to do with this story, James Gunn turned in his draft of Superman Legacy before the strike happened. So from what I understand, once the draft is in, it can be tweaked slash whatever. That's not a problem. But 
if it had to be rewritten, it would be against the rules of the strike or whatever. So he would be... So be on the outs as a scab. Correct, yeah. Right. So tweaking or whatever is no big deal. But I, I wonder if it's different, too, because he's head of the studio and he kind of has final say or whatever. But reg- regardless... I think because they're two different jobs. I mean, the way I understand it, he's, he's sitting it out with the rest of the writers, but technically his job is different. And Peter Saffron, theoretically at this point, is going to be driving the boat while this is happening. Peter's driving everything from the business side of it. Um, again, go listen to that Wired interview because they actually specifically talk about that. Someone in the comments is like, hey, what's the difference between you and Kevin Feige? Because you're basically him now. And he's like, actually... I'm not. He's like, Kevin does a lot of the um, financial and business and advertising and so on and so forth for Marvel. And James Gunn doesn't have to do that for DC. He's literally just creative director. So he's just a part of, just a, just in charge of creating the content or whatever, which I thought was pr- pretty cool. I mean, he kind of got the, the, in my opinion, the better job, but Saffron's obviously, you know, has a great track record and will continue to do so, I think. So, um, yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we get a casting soon. I, I imagine by the end of the summer, we'll have to hear something. Right. Um, as far as who they have. So, yeah. And then leading into that, since we're James Gunn flavored, we can move into Guardian since we haven't talked about it yet on this show. That's well, true. I think it's more of a full episode kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, we both have watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other guys that have, but of course, in the world doesn't line up right. I just um, been our overall thoughts. I yeah, yeah, no, no, good movie. Um, as far as the film's concerned, I, I'm, there's only one piece I have a question about, and it's not like even a real question. It's just me being nitpicky. The rest of it is fantastic. The whole thing is great. I mean, Adam Warlock's. It's best I think you can do with them. It was fun. Because the rest of the story is like in the comic books. Yeah, this is going to turn into Guardians episode if we keep doing that. I know. That's true. That's true. It was great. It was a great movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's well done. There are some super, super um, heartwarming scenes. There are some... I cried twice, for sure. Um, there's some tough There's some tough scenes that are really good. Um but ultimately, I mean, obviously, I'm sure most people have already seen it, but it is fantastic, and we re- we really enjoyed it. We've talked about it a couple times now. Yeah, so. yeah, we have. If you, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, it's definitely worth a watch. And when 100%. it comes to big screen, there are definitely some scenes that will do you well seeing in a theater. Oh, absolutely. Um, whereas on home, regardless how big your TV is in your front room, it doesn't change that it won't be, it won't be as awe-inspiring to see as it would be on a big screen. So it loses some of its mojo, I think, without that. Bravado, yeah. Bravado, yes, yeah, that's better. Definitely bravado. Good, good word. Big set pieces, big team up, you know, kind of shots that I think were just perfect. And it really does feel like a good send off for James Gunn. I think he got to do everything he wanted to do in order to kind of close the chapter on these on these characters that you know I'm sure he adored and cared for. So sure, at least at least from his stewardship and. As far as moving forward, there's there's other pieces to that too. Um, but yeah, we we'll do we'll do a Guardians episode. Cool. Maybe we'll try to make it. Then I don't. Know. I want to say the next one, but I'm like, like I can't promise anything. <laughs> I can. I want to. I just guys can't. I don't know what is going to happen in the world. That's true. Which isn't always normal. I don't there's plenty of times I'm, I know lots of things. If we're, yeah. we're lucky if it's semi-normal, man. Right. That's true. Crazy out there. 
Anyway, yeah, no, it's it's really good. Gun does a great job with the roller coaster. You mean one minute you're laughing, the next minute your heart hurts, then you're right back to laughing. So like, the roller coaster is a really great ride in this movie. I felt very similar, and I, we haven't talked about this yet, you and I, but but I think we did slightly. But the the Mario movie, mm-hmm. I could not wipe the smile off my face watching that film. I just all the fun little things, the little callbacks, the 2D platforming stuff that they do was just so cool, man. And I felt the same way at this at the end. I just walked out of there with a big smile going, "Man, that was great." Right. It definitely it is a fun movie too. Like at the end of the day, the, both those movies are just really fun. Like they're fun and they did a very good job with both of them. Uh, yeah. And both have Chris Pratt. So, yeah. Surprisingly enough, yes. <laughs> I mean, we're segueing perfect here, by the way. We're connecting the dots. Perfect tonight. It's all lining up okay. Yeah. Surprisingly, they both do. Yeah. It worked out pretty well. You got any more news over there, Tyler? That is all the news I have, sir. Well, I've got a tiny bit of news, and it's not, this is more like, it's, and the worst, the worst thing is that I'm just so, there's, okay. How do I set this up without... Because there's things I can't say. So this week, I was on... Me and 50 other stores were on a Zoom call with... Um, can I say both those people? It's probably fine. I'm getting intrigued over here, man. I, I don't mean to be... You're okay, killing me. I, I, we'll, just mention the, we'll just mention the one that's famous. famous. Okay. Uh, so uh, Walking Dead's Robert Kirkman... Sure. Um, ...was the main draw on the... Zoom call. Okay. And, uh, we talked some pretty big stuff getting ready to happen in the, in the shape of the world over at Skybound, which is just awesome. And I'm like, I think that's all we can say because okay. until June, we're not really supposed to say anything else. And I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's, it's really cool, but it's one of those things that like, it's going to be, it's one of those things that will be received in the either way that is infuriating to fans or is the next best thing ever is it really cool yeah it's really cool is it something that i i mean i've actually referenced this being a thing that could happen on this show and on the man no i did well now you have to tell me i i may when we're done yeah no no you don't have to do it on mic it's all good it's one of those things that like and we were, and they were originally like, well, who's all going to be on the call? And I'm like, I don't know. Who else is free during the middle of the day? Sure, yeah. And I'm like, nobody. I'm like, oh, wait, Max is. I'm like, well, oh, does Max want to be on the call? And I, so I sent him an email. I'm like, hey, Max, do you want to be on this call with me? And he's like, that's awesome. Is it for the podcast? I said, um, maybe. And I went through and fell out of the paperwork. I get to the last page and it's like, here's your submission button. That brings you to an NDA page. Yep, an NDA, yep. And I said, oh, well, that's different. Because I've been on Zoom calls before and sure. I've done, and yeah, usually they come with a stipple, batch of requirements or whatever. But this was like a full on like thing, and I'm like, huh, okay. So I said, sure, why not? So we submit, and uh, and, so, and then I text him. And I said, so Max, there's an NDA thing with this thing. So I mean, we're not supposed to talk about it. And he's like, cool, okay. And I'm like, all right, cool. Then it turns out at, over at work, he wanted to be unavailable as well. So it wanted to be me and me. Again, it was, it was 50 of us on the 49, actually. There's 49 of us, actually. And uh, after we got into the whole thing, I was like, oh, man, it might be better that Maximus wasn't here because this is 
I mean, being so he he he's a DJ over at ninety three point one. Right. Yeah, he does the Men Who Don't Look Good in Spandex podcast. Right. It's almost the Men Who Look. You know, the Men Who Look Bad in Spandex. Same Got idea. It. Same, Same idea. idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the other show I do over there with him. And uh, being that he's on the mic all the time, all day, I was like, man, you're probably safer without this in your head. Sure. And I'm like, how do we not say things about things, especially if we're asked about it? Because there's a piece that's already in the world, but what that piece really is and what we all thought it was um, isn't really true. I think you should stop talking. It's only partially true. I think you should stop talking. I'm going to stop. I think you should. I'm going to stop. I mean, if you signed an NDA, you should probably... No, no, that, I haven't said anything that's going to... Anything that predates any of this, I mean, go back in time. I don't know. If you're a steward of the show, then stop talking. I'm going to stop. Stop talking. Anyway, so yeah, that was really cool. So it was cool. So, you know. Look out for that. Things in the world. All right. But yeah, that's a. So your piece of news was something you couldn't even share. I mean. You're you're hilarious. <laughs> that's. You're. That's true. I did all this work over here. I put all. <laughs> no, that's why I said, man, I need kidding. something that's really. I'm just kidding. We we need something that's no, that's, real, that's good. good. I mean, there is I can't remember his name though. I did see that there was some uh, there's some uh, talks in the water about a casting for Ben Grimm uh, for the Fantastic Four. And Everything I, I saw said they were gender swapping. It, the the cases I can't, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, he's done a few other Disney projects and done voices and a couple other things too. Oh, I um, saw one that was it was Mila Kunis or something. Oh no, maybe it's just a no, joke. That can't be real. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I was like, yeah. No, this is a. He, it's a male actor. Um, he's African American and Jewish, and so he fits like di- size wise. I mean, he, he may make sense to be the bruiser that was friend throughout school. Okay, I mean Rick Richards, and like actor wise, he's a good actor. I just can't remember his name for life. I mean, I can think of his face in my head, but I can't remember his name. Which is terrible. Which is why I wasn't going to mention it. Now I mentioned it anyway. Just like the last thing I couldn't talk about that I talked about. It's like a whole. It's like a catch twenty two happening. Is that how you say that? Sure. I'm not really sure. That's how you use that. You talked about Jonathan Majors last week by yourself. Sorry again. I mean that's but true. Yeah. That that noise is crazy. Like it is getting wild. It man. is getting wild. Like it's it, so. Well, there's reports that it's like he was the one attacked, and there's reports like this isn't the first time, and yeah. Then the army dropped him, and I'm just like, ooh, like what are they gonna do? Like, it, obviously the easiest thing to do would be to, and I wanted to talk to you about this last week after I listened to the episode. I was like, dang, I really wanted to talk to you about that. Um, very simply. You have a million variants of Kang. You can make it a different person. That's easy. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. You, you can fix that. That's no problem. Will he's, it be as good as Jonathan Majors? No, but because he's a fantastic actor. No, he's really good. Like, when it comes to when it comes to his portrayal of uh, Kang, or, I mean, we've talked about it before, before all this noise happened. Like, Well, He Who Remains Alone was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that was... As far as portrayal of, he shows so much, of fa- so much emotion and range in just his facial displays during movies. I mean, just talking about Ant-Man, as far as presentation's concerned, the way the man carries himself on film, in Creed, like, it's, they're entirely different characters, but they emote so much from just their... It's like he's taking lessons face. from Tom Hardy or something, right? right? Tom Hardy. Yeah, Tom or, Hardy can do that, yeah. Um, uh, shoot, what's it? Christian Bale? Absolutely. Like, both of them have the, that technique. And like he's got it in droves, he's great. 
but when it comes to Kang, because of time travel and because of what the, the character is, he's literally the most easily replaceable character. Will that mean the portrayal will be as good? No. I'm thinking we're talking a situation where, just like Doctor Who, we plug in and out whoever we want to plug in and out, and afterwards we say that was a mistake. Or you could just iron lad it up, right? Well, that was my thought too. I still too. think that's a possibility. Yeah, they could iron lad it and call I it mean, good. As a thing, King Dynasty calls into question a little bit of what you've already set up and what's already been filmed. It's not undoable, right? And as far as the King character is concerned, if if that does turn out to be Iron Lad, which I still think it should. It would be a ex- perfect example of things being different because of time travel. Right. And there's no reason for that not to be a thing. I mean, it will be interesting to see what comes out of it, though. And, like, that part of the waters is really unfortunate for, like, what's happening around the poor man. Or, you know, what the man has caused himself. I mean, I don't sure, know. Sure, I don't know the specific idea. That, that's what I was going to talk about. It's so weird that I he, no one knows except, obviously, you know, the people who are close to it. But it's so different to see these reports. They're like, he's in, he's out, he did bad, he it wasn't him. It's like it, nobody knows. Yeah, it's it's so up in the air. It's 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 almost it's, the only thing you can compare it to is Ezra Miller's situation. And with Ezra, it's a little no, more that cut man and, was guilty. He it's terrible. It's he cut did, and dry at this point. Man, he did terrible things. And like at the beginning with the announcements and the releases and things, it was hard to say what was happening. But now that we're far enough down the road, like the the things, and it, when it comes to some of it being, there's pieces that are still explainable. It doesn't make any of it justified, really. No. But until we get a little farther down the road and some actual concrete things start coming out that are actually real, it's hard to say what the truth is. Well, but the difference, obviously, in my opinion, is Ezra came out and was like, I was wrong, I'm going to treatment, I'm going to fix my life. Right. So after they all, fixed after it. After so. all the the hubbub, 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 eventually right. that did happen. And so like I hope we get that with majors too. I do. I, I hope I hope we can move forward and say, hey, you know, maybe you did something wrong, maybe you didn't, regardless, if you apologized and you paid your debts to society, we can move forward and get a great king out of this. Right. I mean even Wesley Snipes eventually paid for his tax rod. Oh goodness. So you know with jail time. Well, it's because he went to another freaking country, <laughs> which you think would... I mean, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a good choice. You know he got in trouble for smuggling, like, I want to say it's like 1,200 men's bikini bottoms from one, like, uh, he was filming somewhere, from one country to another. They thought he was smuggling, literally, men's bikini bottoms, but they were literally just his underwear. That's just how much underwear he had. That is the craziest yeah, thing ever. He got stuffed by customs, and they were like, uh, what's up with all this underwear? And he's like, they're mine. He's like, we think you're going to smuggle these and sell them. He's like, no, they're mine. Well, yeah, that, that, that's a thing. Like, whenever 45 and then went over to Europe um, as a band, they uh, could tell some of the stuff you take for the idea of you not making money in the country. Sure. It's a whole, like, licensing legal thing. Mm-hmm. That is wild. That's what it was about, though. I mean, that's a... Men's underwear. Yeah, yeah. Well... Teach their own, I guess. You yeah, know? Sure. Hey, if I had a body like Wesley Snipes, I'd be rocking it too. And I was, what is he like a jujitsu or kendo or whatever master? Mm, yeah. No idea. He's a big high. I mean, he was high in martial arts for a long time. Sure, yeah. yeah. Lots of yeah. action films. Lots yeah. of you know. He was up there. Things. I think Joe Rogan was supposed to fight him at one point. If I remember correctly, jujitsu. Really? Joe, yeah, I think Joe Rogan was supposed to fight Wesley Snipes, and he's like, no, no, seems I'm like good. A, seems like a weird thing. Not impossible. I don't. You know, you, no you better. Idea. I dreamt that. I mean, it, 
<laughs> that be an interesting card. It would be an interesting dream. Joe for sure. Rogan versus Wesley Snipes. Demolition in where they fight that. Where's the place that they would fight in Rio? Demolition Man in Rio. Man, I love Demolition Man. Heck yeah, it's great. Yeah. Wesley Snipes almost fought Joe Rogan in the UFC. That's wild. Yeah, in 2010. Celebrity nonsense, man. That's nuts. That is absolutely crazy. That's crazy. I don't blame Joe Rogan. I'd be like, I'm out. I'm good. Right. Yeah, when you, I'm out. I mean, yeah. The whole that whole circumstance sounds crazy. Okay. Should we do books? Yeah, let's move into some books. Where do you want to start? Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Um, so, opening-wise, we're going to start out with uh, Silk, issue one. This is the uh, 2023 Silk. Uh, this is written by Emily Kim, and his uh, art is done by I.G. Guerra. And uh, this follows the the previous miniseries that happened Um yeah, it, it's a, it's not a direct continuation, but it's a, it follows it. Um, so when the book opens up, the first thing we see is this giant sign up in the hills. It's Hollywood Land. Um, and then beneath that, we get a very, um, movies like 1950s-esque looking sort of setup. And the coloring is even like an off kind of gray, gray brown sort of scheme. Savor silks, uh, Headdress. The word you're looking for is noir. Noir, that's right. It is like a noir filter. It is. That's exactly what it is. I got you. In the very middle, it says The Midnight Monster. And then it says, starring Cindy Moon as the web-slinging ace detective, Silk. Which is awesome. And we got the Hollywood land sign instead of Hollywood yep, to yep. Put, it, put it where, what time it was in. Right. And so we cut to the next page and we've got Silk driving around this, this fancy 50s car. And uh, she's... Got an inner monologue kind of running that she's out there investigating whatever she's looking into. And the next thing we see, she's carrying a camera. We got these two men. Um, I don't know. They're butting it up. Like one guy looks like a dock worker, the other one's like a shopkeep. And uh, the two of them are shaking hands, making deals or whatever. And she's in there taking pictures. Click, 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 click. And uh, time out. She's going to use this against you know, use it against them to outwit whatever. Um, so we cut from there to the next scene where she walks into the shop and. The shopkeep guy's like, oh, we're closed for the night. And she's like, oh, please forgive me. I just have one question. And he's like, oh, well, uh, I might be the kind of guy that would have the answer. And she goes, but it's a, it can help a child. Oh, he, no, he, didn't say, he says, I'm not the guy that has that kind of answer. That's what he said. So he basically tells her he's not. He blows her off. Blows yeah. her off. And she's like, oh, but it'll help a child. Only 12 years old. His name is Richie Lee. And he's been missing for five days now. And, of course, he, he blows her off again. He's like, sweetheart, I've never heard any no missing kid. From there, she's like, I guess Bismir knows that you're making deals with the boys on the side, right? And from there, you see, like, a shocked look from his eyes, and he grits his teeth, and he's like, what did you just say? And she says Bismir will, like, as a, as a person's name. It's, uh, it's the other gangster. And she's like, oh, well, after all, you're meeting tonight with Tommy. Uh, I think that you guys should all be, the Mr. Big should be aware of what's happening. And he's like, he's caught off guard by it, and he, she basically just tells him that she knows that he's been making deals on the side, and if she doesn't get the information she wants, she's going to turn him into his boss. And uh, he's like, well, you might want to tell me what I want to know before we go there. He's like, are you are you threatening me, girly? And she's like, oh, no, no, I'm not the one threatening you. Bismir will be the one, I'm going easy on you. Bismir is the one that's going to be the problem. And uh, she tells him that, uh, she says, just tell me where the kid is. 
and no one has to know that it came from you. I'll keep it quiet. And so he stands there begrudgingly and gets a shocked look on his face, and he tells her that uh, the Bradley building's on the fifth floor, and that's all I know. And that's what she wanted. She wanted the location. So from there, we see her jump into her car, and she goes driving off. She's like, hold on, I'm coming. And as she's driving, we get a scene where she looks out the window, and we see these four people standing on the street corner. And uh, we get a close-up on one of them. And it's an African-American lady, and she's dressed, I don't know, 50s-esque. She's got kind of big, puffy hair. And while she's driving, she's like, oh, look look at all these people looking at me. She's like, I know that woman. I know her. How do I know that woman? And then, of course, she spins on by with the car and basically gets left in the dust of what was happening. And she's like, get a grip. Get a hold of yourself. And we see her pull up outside this giant, uh, I don't know, it's like an apartment building. Um, and of course the lightning kind of crashes in the sky and it looks, it's not raining, but the city's ominous, ominous. Yeah. And she's like, okay, only big, only, only, only this mirror would have to be so bold as to keep somebody kidnapped in a public building that way. And, uh, from there, you know, we see her sneaking around a little bit, trying to figure out a way to get into the building and she goes through this crazy alleyway with all these different stairwells and all these different doors. And it, it looks very rear view window. If you've ever seen the original rear view window, it looks a lot like that uh, layout of the building. Rear window? Is it not rear view? Rear window? Rear window. With, uh, oh gosh, It's a Wonderful Life. What's that guy's name? Jimmy Stewart. Thank you. Whew, I was man. like, oh. Took a minute. It's just rear window. The, the, the pyramid would be going badly tonight. Right. If we were playing that game. Anyway, so we cut to inside the building. She's got herself inside. She's going up this set of stairs, and we see this crazy, like, shadow behind her that almost looks like it's coming from her, but it's it's shaped not correct at all. Like, this is crazy sort of face, what looks like horns. It's nuts. And uh, we got this inner monologue running the entire time while she's while she's doing all this, and she's she talks about uh, Beersmere's been running this side of town for I don't even know how long, and she's like, how long has it been? How long has he been in charge? So it's like some of her own statement she's questioning in the same statement. And, uh. As she's narrating what's going on. Yeah. Which right. Is, which is, it's like a, it's a, it's like a double thing going on. Because she says, says things that are supposed to be like facts. And then afterwards she's like, how is that a You're like, wait a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets worse where there's more and more of that as we go on. Um, so not gets worse. I mean, it's eventually that makes sense. I swear to God, it does. She's like, come to think of it, how long have I been doing this? And about that time, we see the silk sense go off, and she she has a, her own thought thing. It says, that's a mighty silky sense, which I thought was pretty funny. Well, for the time, it would, yeah. Right, yeah. for the time. Yeah. We see the lightning bolts around her head, and, she, you know, of course, she looks shocked because, you know, it's spider powers. And about that time, this giant demon dragon-looking thing comes jumping out of nowhere, Looks straight up like out of Big Trouble in Little China. And it's like, rawr! And she's like, oh! And freaks out for a second, and then she's like, huh, well, it's time to get business done. And then she puts up her dukes, like, you know, time to fight. No problems for her. We see her disrobe the jacket she's wearing, the giant trench coat, and underneath we see her silk costume, except that this silk costume prizes of, like, a ballroom gown. And, uh, halter top. It's actually super cool looking. It is really good, Yeah. She does this giant backflip. She's like, well, hello, ugly. And she jumps up on the side of the wall and she starts using her webs. And we see her shoot the web, but it goes right through the thing. And she's like, oh, that's weird. 
did he teleport? Like, is this demon moving himself? Or, and we see all of a sudden like a splat of the the web on the wall, and then all of a sudden we are no longer in the hallway. We were outside in the streets, and she's like, "What the? Did he move me, or did we both move? Like, what is going on?" And now we're inside of what looks kind of like a subway area. And the thing comes at her again, and of course, you know, she manages to move, and the whole time she's like trying to make sense of whether she's inside or outside. She actually says that to herself. She's like, are we inside or outside? Mm -hmm. What is going on? And then now we've cut to where we're fully outside the building, and now it is actually raining, and now we're fighting outside in an alleyway. And as the creature walks towards her, we see it smash its feet into the water puddles, which sends little, you know, little sprinkles around. And that cuts straight from that scene to a matching scene, except now they are outside in the, like, a wooded forest area where grass is everywhere, and Silk is in her full proper costume. And she's like, I fought this monster. I've done this already. And she backflips around one of his fists, and she's like, this has all happened before. This, he's going to attack with his left. And of course he does. And then we cut directly back to 1950s, her wearing her little beret and in the dress. And uh, as she's fighting the bad guy, eventually she gets the upper drop and kicks him in the face. And she's like, oh, and he goes down. And he does. Next thing you know, we we cut to the other side where she's uh, standing in the rain. And the big ugly's been put out on the ground. And she's like, I don't understand why everything feels so familiar, but how... And she looks up and she goes, I remember. And we see a cut to the shot of the girl from the street corner with the big hair. And she's like, that woman. And we see her inside of a deli serving food. Like wearing, not the same outfit, but her hair is the same. And she's like, oh, do you want white or wheat bread? And she's like, that's the girl that works across the street at the sandwich shop for me. And she's like, who are the other people? And we see the other two people standing there for a second. And their faces are non-deform. I mean, they're there, but they're not fully formed Detailed, faces. Yeah, not, yeah. Yeah. not like the girl from the shop. And we cut drag straight back to where she's in the street again. She's like, I'm Silk. And that part is true, but I'm not a detective. And I don't live in L.A. I definitely don't wear stockings. And she's like, what is going on? This is... And while she's saying that, of course, the beastie's laying on the ground in front of her. We cut to the next, the next scene, and she's she's thinking still and she's like this this isn't my world this is yours and then from there we cut to another scene where she's got her hands up she's sort of thinking and she's like but how do you change what's what's in it how do you control it because you rule this world don't you and it's like she's just talking openly to the demon thing yeah which is packed on the ground still right and she's like this is your world this is a dream world I'm dreaming. And the shock realization when she says I'm dreaming, we had a close up of her eyes. And we pulled back directly to a new setting where she's dressed in a cowboy hat. Still with a red scarf and now a duster. And she looks around in shock and the hat blows off. And we pull back to Realville. She is on top of a train. Straight up Old West style. And there's a new setting header. Correct. And it says the Silk Train Robbery. And her hat blows off in the distance, and we have this giant locomotive come driving through. The art is so good. Like, it is really good. It yeah. looks so, it, it so is. good. And uh, from there, we get a, a man lean out the window. He's like, you got your blaster partner? And uh, she's like, yes, ready to blow it wide open. 
And uh, from there, we see that she's got this stick of dynamite and a match, and she's getting ready to light it to blow things up. And then we cut to the next page, where we reveal that the train is on a TV, hooked up to a machine that's reading something. EKG, numbers, something, I don't know, heartbeat, maybe? Brainwaves. Brainwaves. And then we cut to see that the truth is that Silk is on a bed in what looks like a makeshift hospital room with a bunch of nodes attached to her head. And we have somebody on the outside talking, and they're like, oh, it's getting harder and harder to control what she's, you know, control her. Like, she's fighting through all the, fighting through all the scenarios using her spider powers. And then we pull back to see someone holding a book, and inside the book there's a rudimentary drawing of the demon thing she just fought. And the person holding the book, because they're off camera, says, it's going to be harder, Saya. We won't be able to hold her much longer. And this is I should know after all. And we cut to the next page where we see a man standing in the shadow of a, I don't know, like a silhouette from blinds. Sure, yeah, it looks like blinds coming through. And it's a dude standing there in t-shirt pants, not anything impressive, but he has a, you did have me pose as a therapist. It's to kind of, it's to kind of show that we can't really tell who he is. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hiding his identity yeah, still, even 100%. though you can see him. And then we cut to the other person in the room, and she's like, you think as my brother you'd have more faith in everything I do, Max. Incy Bincy Cindy ruined my plans last time, and it's far past her time that I win or I want to win. I don't remember exactly how she phrases it, but she's basically talking trash about how last time she beat me and this time she won't. And she's like, even if it kills her, I'm going to win. And we see the girl sitting in the chair. She's got black hair with a white stripe in the middle, and it's it's Saya. Um, oh gosh, Saya Ishi, who's a she's a She's a she, she's a bad girl like in the previous storyline, um, but she's like a evil tech genius. And the truth is that her and the brother are the kids of Silvermane, who's a more old school bad guy. That chances are, when you saw him, he had robot body and normal guy face. He was a mobster that eventually got thrown in prison. When he got out of prison, he had lost his edge, and then from there, he put himself into a cyborg body to get the edge back. Depending who's drawing it, it looks horrifying. Sure. Um, Silvermane's, uh, he's an old school, like, just like Blockbuster and, um, oh, gosh, Brimstone, is that what his name is? The, yeah. Yeah, you got it. So, like, when it comes to random bad guys that are Spider-Man flavored bad guys, there's a whole lot of them other than the Kingpin that are all kind of like the Kingpin. Just, you know, not as, not as well known or well liked, maybe, or powerful, I guess. But he falls into that category. He's one of those. And so these are their, his kids. And, of course, Cindy and say I've had problems in the past. So that is where we're at um, as far as the story is concerned. Um, I like the cover a lot. The art inside the book is really good. I mean, it, it the train sequence is so well put together, like the way it's drawn. And, like, when she's in her costume, I mean, some of it's done very simplistic. But some of it's simplistic, and I think it sells really well because we're not in a real world. That's part of why certain things look very detailed and other things don't. I like that setup a lot. Um, as far as coming to the book a little cold, I don't... By the time you get to the reveal at the end, I think it makes sense. As far as the story is concerned, I don't think if you read the previous series, it even makes... Where we're at right now makes sense at all. Right, it's... it's Yeah. It's it's its own bag of nuts. And as far as like how we got there, I imagine the next issue will explain how we're actually where we're at. I mean... I would assume so, because the way the other story ended, this wasn't where we were. So, as a thing, 
I liked it a lot. I mean, I give it, score-wise, I give it a three. I dig Silk a lot. I mean, now I give it two and a half. I like, I like the art. I like Silk a lot. I really like the costume from the 50s. I think it's really cool the way they repurposed her dress to look like Silk stuff. And, like, if I don't see this cosplayed at some point, I'd be very surprised because it's, like, this whole ballroom gown thing going on. It's really cool. It's but, really yeah, cool. The stockings are cool. The, the, it, and it's doable, too. Like, it, it seems practical That's for the, the time. Yeah, yeah. Someone did their homework for sure. It was like, okay, how do we put Silk in this time period and have her wearing what she should be? Right. So, yeah, score-wise, I give it a two and a half. I mean, if you've never read a Silk, Silk book before, I don't know if this is the best place to start. Um, but... Her avenue in life isn't as deep as other characters, so read-wise, it was fun. Um, I like the way the art looks. The cover of the book uh, sells the idea we're going to get a lot of different time frames or different movie sets as these things have been depicted. Sure, as, as it's depicted, yeah. That makes sense. So the way the covers broke up, there's like a pirate scene. There's the cowboy scene that we just finished in. There's a, another scene where she's like a Viking, like a space lady, so... I think that'll be neat to see where else it goes. I want to say it's a five-part miniseries from what I remember, and the last series was that way too. So I think since team-wise, it, it's the same people. If you like the last one, you should like this one. Mr. Brown, what do you think about the silk? Uh, you know, I'm going to give it a two and a half too. I, also, it's two and a half also. I would have really gone lower, to be honest with you, because I don't know much about silk. And I'm not trying to... Um, Say you did a bad job by any means, but it, it's hard to put into words the transition that happens from the 50s to the cowboy stuff, because it's really cool. And it's done very witt- wittily. It's very cool, very quick. Um, it, it seems like it popped right off a movie screen. It's it's really cool. Um, the outfits, again, in the Wild West and, and obviously in the 50s are super, super cool and accurate and fun. Um, the art is really good. I've never read a soap book before, so I can be kind of your guinea pig on this. I wouldn't start here. Obviously, there's a lot more backstory to it, but um, it, it is cool. It, I, I did enjoy it. Um, writing, I think, obviously, this is one of five, so hopefully we'll get a little bit more, um, especially in the realm of um, dissert- not dissertation. What am I thinking? <laughs> dissertation. <laughs> Uh, exposition as far as what, you know, where, where we go or what's happening. Um, the demon's really cool actually. And I like how it's, I think you kind of talked about how it's not really there, how it's drawn that way. Um, it, it, it's neat. It, that's cool. Almost like a, like a danger room thing, you know, like right. it's a hologram or something. Um, so yeah, yeah, like two and a half. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be interested to see what they do with the rest of it. And like, she's a fun character. Um, I think she gets overshadowed a lot by Spider Gwen, but Gwen's just so punk rock that it's hard not to. She's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm a fan of both of them, but yeah, between the two of them, I expected Cindy here to have a bigger uh, shake in the world than she's gotten. Because she's in the real world. Gwen's like an anomaly. Sure. But I like both of them just fine. Anyhow. Um, so from there, we want to move on to the uh, Mighty Barbarians. Alrighty. This is the Mighty Barbarians. Ablaze Comics presents the Mighty Barbarians. This is written by Michael Morikai. Morisi. Morisi. Mm-hmm. I cannot say that name. And uh, the art is done by Gispe Cafaro. I think it's just, yeah. I think it's Giuseppe. 
Seppi? That's what we have 45 for. Cause okay. He pronounces yeah, because I, oh, goodness gracious, I can't I'm going to say he's just Seppi. I'm sorry if I murdered your name. I apologize. You know Michael because he's, uh, he's been on the show, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. He's the guy that did He's the same writer for Barbaric. Oh, that's right. That's why we yeah. picked this book. That's mm-hmm. right. All right, so we start out with a mountain here, kind of a mountainous. There's lightning and or volcano of some sort, um, uh, and we get some dialogue. It says, "I'll follow you through the nine hells, Thongor. You know that. But if Sharista has indeed turned evil, if the Great Wizard is now working on the side of darkness, it may take even more than our combined strength and will to stop him." And we pan out and we see. Um, you know, guy talking to somebody, um, his, his sidekick, it appears, says, and uh, I'm well aware of the risk, Carm Carvis, uh, but know this, while while we are but simple barbarians, we are also the champions of Lamore. But more than that, if our ally has fallen into the league with the dragon kings, then we must save him. And then they look out onto, um, from the mountain, and we see this kind of seance happening, it looks like. Um, and a beast kind of hanging out in the middle. And, uh, Karma's like, uh, what is, what is that place? And, uh, yeah, the guy says, I don't know, Karma, but one of, or the other guy says, I don't know, but I, I, I do know one thing. Um, we must proceed with caution. This place is ancient. How was it it remained secret all these years? Um, it's a mystery, Carm. Through the looks of things, th- through the looks of things, we might be able to assume one thing. And from there, we see this beast come out of the, from the corner, and he's just screaming, "Darkness, darkness, darkness!" And all these beasts show up. They're like some of them look like orcs, some of them look like lizard people. Um, yeah, uh, Thongor, where did uh, where why where did they go? How there's so many of them? And Thongor says, steady karm. We may be outnumbered by these creatures, but that means there's more of them to kill. Um, so Throng and Kongor are just slaying these things. Um, they remind me a lot of, there's this movie that happened. Um, it's been, it's been a, quite a while. Uh, back in 87. I know I know that because I had to look it up. Called the Barbarians. And the Barbarians were these two twins, the Barbarian brothers. Oh, yeah, sure. And uh, these two guys remind me heavily of the two of them. And they're just adventure guys, you know, like if we had two Conans. The movie, they're a little more lighthearted and dim, I guess. But as far as like what's going on here, they, it, those two characters, I was just like, <laughs> it's like the Barbarian Brothers. That's exactly what it's That's like. exactly yeah. what it's exactly like. What it's like. Um, from there, they get kind of overrun by these demons um, and um Throm's like there. Uh, there, there's too many. There's too many. Help me, help me. No, no, no. And we see him, um, just absolutely getting just pummeled by these creatures. Um, and he's screaming, "You will not stop me! You will not stop me!" And from there, we see another voice, and it says, "Oh, but you're wrong there, Thongor." And we see the name. I this is this is this is a complicated name. No, no, yeah, they're Sh- they're all rough names. Sh- Sharajda. Looks like some kind of purple, um, almost like Merlin-looking wizard. Um, we will do so more than stop you. We are the Alef, and we are one, and we will make you one too. Karm, no, we see um, Throm or Thongar, you know, yelling, and we see him just again getting pummeled by these um, creatures, and he's screaming, "No, no, no!" 
Yeah, the one's been being beaten while the other one's yeah. like doing so, sort of okay. Long, long, long way to say homeboy lost his buddy. Anyways, uh, darkness is spreading from one realm to the next, overtaking families, heroes, and kings alike, laying waste to everything it touches. And we see this castle, and it's just set ablaze on this hill. Um, no one is safe. To me, the knights, we must protect the castle at all cost. Um, Lancelot, and we see somebody, and he's got a sword. And he's chopping apart these um, demon-looking things that we've talked about earlier. Um, no one's, no one, will, no one will, will, will stop me. Um, but surely they're the world's greatest kings must know what to do. And from there, we kind of see the battle has ended, and we look upon a blonde, very familiar-looking king. Um, he says, "I have no idea what to do." And we see a woman, she says, yes, Thyre, you've expressed, which is why I have an offer to your solution. King Arthur, I present to you the enemy. And she brings in one of these demon-looking things. Um, and King Arthur says, Morgan, you've caught one? And Morgan says, and or he says, and you've brought it here because, and Morgan says, because I've learned something from them. These creatures aren't mindless beasts. They are the Aleph. And the first of their kind, they say. But more than that, they possess magic. Um, and they use their abilities to jump from world to world. And King Arthur's like, you say, what, what? What are you saying? And she says, uh, Morgan says, we're not alone. And, and our world isn't the only one that's under siege. There are others, countless others. And these Aleph possess within themselves the key to reaching all the other realms. And now that key is magic. And she bolts out her hand and kind of lights it lights this creature that's in a cage up with this green glow um and she's stealing the magic from this beast and says the power now resides with me and she says we need champions in order to you know save our realm it may be the only way to save all of us and king arthur says my dear morgan how soon can you embark on this quest so we have one timeline, two timeline. From there we jump to the third timeline. It's a snowy setting and we see a guy just screaming, um, and he's fighting again these demon looking, gosh, I want to, you know what they remind me of? One of them reminds me of, um, I'm never going to know which one's which, uh, Toka and Razor from, uh, The from Secret TMZ? of Booze. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is Razor the one that's the turtle? Yes. Okay. That's, that, they kind of remind me of that. Um, Anyways, so this guy's fighting, you know, he says, my family, what have you done with my family? And we see just bodies um, that he's, you know, killed of these demons. Um, and we see Morgan, and she says, very impressive. Uh, you fight like a true warrior, but I sense something else about you. And this guy says, I don't know who you are, but I need no man or woman to tell me that I'm a warrior. And Morgan says, no, I suppose you don't, as he throws this... <laughs> thing into one of the demons faces that's behind her um the guy says tell me who you are and speak plainly my patience isn't without limits she says i'm morgan lefay and i've come to gather allies against these creatures you slay so well you're the greatest warrior nanook but i need better than warriors i need more nanook says i don't need to prove myself to you or anyone. These foul beasts have taken my family and they're overrun my lands. They, they have overrun my lands. They have an idea. They have no idea the fury that they have awakened and neither will you. And she says, well, then why don't you show me? And we pan out and they're surrounded by demons. <laughs> and he, uh, Nanook starts chanting to himself, beasts, grrr, 
beast grr, and we pan out and he turns into a polar bear it's awesome i'm in <laughs> and he just it's there, there's a lot of blood uh there's a lot of biting of throats there's a lot of missing limbs um and morgan's just saying all right very good that'll do just fine here we go jumping to another timeline and where you see a pub um and we see a lady and she's drinking a beer. And she says, so let me get this straight. You want me to abandon the pub, leaving behind my mead, which at this moment is free, and join you to fight these elf, elf, or whatever. And uh, Morgan says, that's right, Burka. And she says, yeah, pass. Morgan says, shield maiden, I ask you to reconsider. And before she can get it out, uh, Burka, or Burka, Birka? I think that's B-I. Birka. Birka. Parka is a piece of clothing. It is. Anyways. A parka? Burka? Parka is a coat. Parka? Burka is something you wear over in dirt countries. Okay. That's not the right way to say that. Saudi Arabia? Did you just say dirt countries? I did. Hot countries? Hot, hot yes. Hot, hot countries. Hot countries. Take two. Hot countries. <laughs> hot countries. You know, you know what I mean? Jawas are basically wearing burkas. That's correct. I mean, they're stylized hood burkas, but they're still burkas. So, so I mean, Jawa clothes. I thought I'm tattooing the whole time. You were. I got it's you. Entirely what's going it on. It is hot on tattooing. It Anyways, is. Uh, Birka says, okay, let me stop you right there and save you the trouble because it's not happening. Look, I've spent most of my life fighting a battle, one battle after another, and I've either been at war or waiting for the next one to start. And you know what has gotten me? Nothing. And honestly, I'm, I'm, uh, the stupid one and I'm the one who should be telling myself that this battle would be one to bring the one to bring peace. This war would not last. But then it did, and lives and bloodshed, and she just kind of rambles on it. She's like, they can have it. She's like, I'm sick of war. I'm done. I'm out. I just want to sit in this bar and enjoy myself. And she's got her feet kicked up, and she's, you know. Yeah, she's kicking back for sure. Yeah, she's just chilling. From there, lo and behold, look who walks into the bar. A demon. The, the beast says, uh, more flesh to consume. And Nanook, our awesome polar bear guy, is like... I'd like to see you try, especially after I shove my spear up your... And Morgan cuts him off and says, Hold on, Nanook. After all this, it isn't our right, uh, apparently, in this realm to save it. People look to others to save... Uh, to, people look to others to save them. From there, we see Birka wake up, or kind of get off of her you know, stool, and she's like, Oh, boy. Talk about subtle. And she jumps up, and she's fighting this demon thing and she just starts slaying it. She's like, you're fast. You guys don't have to die. That's all I'm saying. And the beast is like, the master says, the master's command, the master command. She gets her shield and she's got her axe and she's just slaying them. Wrecking it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's obviously just really, really adept with this um, battle axe and, and, and shield. And you know, she slices one in half and slices one of the arms off, and then she uses her fists and uppercuts one. Consume you, the darkness will consume you, the darkness will, and she's just wrecking them. And uh, from there, they, they break one of the bottles of mead, and she goes, that's the last barrel! How am I going to? And uh, Morgan tosses this giant bag of gold and says, you can buy it with this. After you put that shield of and your axe to good use. Birka says, I like the way you negotiated, Chantress. Make sure that sack you just uh, materializes a lot bigger, and you've got yourself a shield maiden. 
So by this point, we know we're forming a team. From there, we change, again, timelines to something else, and we see um, it looks like the savanna of Africa um, and someone running across it. And he says, I can't let them take me. Must avenge my brother. Must save mother. I can't, I can't, I can't. The demons ascend from the trees and from the heavens. And again, we're in the savanna. It looks like it's nighttime. And he says, I can't take them. I can't take them. Uh, and they say, the one who escaped, he's close. Find him. The demons are talking to each other. And this person says, Dad, I know I said, I know you said not to. I know you said I mustn't, but I have no other choice. He's kind of pinned down behind this tree, hiding from them. Um, <clears throat> and the demons are talking back and forth. He's gone. I saw him go the other way. And who are you? And the, one of the demons starts smelling the other demon. And the demon says, me? Why? I'm the other guy with the other pack from over there. And he goes, you're sent. He goes, yeah, it's a new thing. I'm glad you noticed. But <laughs> maybe you can just get out of my personal space. And he goes, it's wrong. You're one of the... And he grabs his axe to get ready to swing at them. He calls him an imposter. And then, boom, homeboy slices him right in half. And uh, from there, we pan out and we see um, it is Nanook who did that. And he says, the devil is you. This is for my brother. Um, so our boy sliced um, homeboy. And then another one showed up and he sliced his throat. Um, interesting trick you played there, Anazi. We see Morgan and her team show up. Um, I'm assuming you know the others. He goes, I know enough. Who are you? I'm a friend and we're, we all are. And we share a common enemy and we need your help just like you need ours. Your unique skills are of great value. And he says, uh, excuse me, his name is Anan Ananzi. Uh, will you be saving my people? And Morgan says, yes, I believe we will. He says, I'm not much of a warrior, as you can probably see for yourself, but it's my talent you need. If it's my talent you need, then it's my talent you'll have. From there, we change settings again. This is kind of a dark, um, ominous, looks like half a castle kind of on fire, um, and we see a man, long hair, and he says, what is a king if it has no, if he has no kingdom? What is a man if he fails to live up to what he's meant to be? If those around him suffer from, from misguided trust they placed in him. It looks like his castle and his realm has been just ransacked by these demons. And there's bodies all over the place. Oh, yeah. Um, people of Valusia, uh, my loyal red slayers, I have never forgiven myself for falling when you need to be most. I'm an outcast of Atlantis, a slave of Lemuria, a barbarian at heart, but the king in my soul, I vow I will never rest. I will never waver until you are avenged. Um, from there, we see somebody off panel say, and we can aid you in this quest, Cole. It's why we're here. And he said, I heard you already, sorceress. Cole says, but look, before you, you see what happens to my allies. They're either dead or taken or transformed into black-hearted beasts. I'll have no more of that on my hands. And Morgan says, it doesn't have to be this way. We are powerful, but we need a leader. We need a king. And Cole says, I wish you well in your quest, and my words are true, but my path is here in Vulsalia. I must face one of my greatest enemies, and I must face him alone. He walks away, and Birka says, well, he's fun. So the whole team's there, you know. Right. Um, from there, we see Cole uh, just slaying a bunch of demons. And he's like, where's your master? Show yourself. Where's your master? Show yourself. 
There's a lot of blood, a lot of things. From off uh, panel, we see Cole, the once noble, uh, someone speaking Cole, uh, the once known king, now reduced to what truly is a mindless barbarian. And we see this sweet looking demon, which is almost like a, a, a snake head kind of thing with some cool armor. Yeah. And he says, ruling over the kingdom of Ash, you are not, de- you are defeated, broken. And all you know now is to follow your basic instincts and kill. Pathetic. Cole says, I don't know what dark forces you've aligned yourself with or how do you manage to overwhelm my kingdom, but you will tell me. And those, la- those words will be your last to roll from your tongue. The snake king or whatever he is, who's awesome. Oh, you silly barbarian. I wouldn't, uh, dare hide this secret from you. In fact, I've been dying to tell you. Why don't you turn around, and take a look for yourself? And, uh, Cole turns around and he sees a man and he says, Brule? This, this is a trick of the serpent men, Brule. You would never. And we see Brule and he's hissing. He says, I serve the master now, and so will you. The snake king turns to me, as long as I waited for this day, your majesty, though I cannot kill you, I will relish hearing you scree. And then we see Nanook, giant polar bear man, snatch this snake face right off that man's body. <laughs> and Cole's like, what the? And uh, from there we see Birka and Anazi and uh, Kanuk. Uh, say, don't just stand there, your majesty, get to fighting. And there is a awesome panel of this team up of all these cool, cool characters fighting these snake people. And there is armor flying and blood and a giant polar in the back, polar bear in the back, just losing his mind. And it's great. Uh, from there we see, uh, Brule. Uh, he, uh, says the master must alert the master, must alert the master. What is this trickery? Uh, well said, but it's also trickery, a distraction. Um, and we see Morgan, and she's saying, Brule has been taken by the LF, and he's strong. He's fighting it. So he's kind of having an internal battle. We see his eyes glow red, uh, and Morgan's just kind of using her enchantments to figure out what's going on. Um, he's trying to tell me, he's trying to tell me the darkness, there's a way to defeat it. Four orbs, four magical, powerful orbs spread across all existence. They're old. This is Morgan talking and kind of t- uh, announcing to the team. Um, um, it, this I and Cole's like, I've heard this bedtime story. This is you know, this is a myth. And uh, Morgan says, No, it's real. And they've been placed into the heart of Velusa. Only I don't know how, but I do know hunting these orbs is the only thing that can save us. And Cole says, Legend says the orbs are hidden. They're protected by dark forces and a legion of pure evil. But if there's a chance, if we can get those four orbs, then we can undo what's been done. And we see, um, Brule, who's, they look like they've, they've kind of got him, um, tied up or something. And he says, it's impossible. The master will never allow such a foolish mission to succeed. Surrender now, barbarian. It's the only way. And uh, we see Cole says, I'm no barbarian. I'm a king. Now go back and crawl to your master. When you see him, tell him I'm coming. And tell him I'm bringing God's legion with me. And we pan out and we see the whole team here. And it is awesome. Um, Cole has his sword. Um, we see Canuck with his big white kind of weather gear and Morgan. And it, it it's it's awesome. And that's it. 
Sorry, that was a little long-winded. I liked the dialogue a lot in that. So oh, it was working very well. Um, the names, there's so many names that that part is kind of confusing. It can be confusing, but it's it's put together pretty 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 good. I mean, uh, if you're a student of Michael, um, the dude's a good writer. So, and as far as the setup for this, yeah, you're building a super team over all these different generations and different time frames and different styles. Different generations, different styles, and uh, I, I had to do some research. I was like, who are these people? Because they're so cool. So Birka is a Viking warrior. Uh, uh, Birka, sorry, I keep saying Birka. Birka is just kind of a, a, a Viking warrior that shows up in mythology. I think it seems to be more like a term than it does um, an actual uh, a person in mythology. Kind of like um, a Valkyrie. Exactly. Bir- yeah, Birka or, or you know, Shield Maiden or Valkyrie. Yeah, exactly. Um, a Nazi is uh, like a... Um, Literally translates to spider, an Akan folktale character and the god of stories, wisdom, knowledge, and trickery. Most commonly depicted as a spider, he is a, he is also sometimes considered to be the god of knowledge of stories. Um, so that's that dude, our, our Savannah dude. Cole, we know obviously, the king of Atlantis. King of Atlantis. He, there's a couple different Coles, but yeah, he's, uh, he's like a Conan, but not Conan, cause he's more of a knight. And then we have Nanook, um, which shows up in, uh, like, Alaskan, um, mythology, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Um, Nanook steals the show for me. I-, I-, I love anything polar bear related. I think they're awesome. And the art in this, um, really depicts some, some just crazy battle scenes. Um, yeah, I, I I love everything about this book. I I'm I'm always a sucker for a, a team up battle. I think that's great. I'm gonna give it a, a a four, a solid. I'm gonna give it four and a half. I liked it that much. I really did enjoy it. Well, yeah, and it's good stuff when it comes to uh art and story. I mean, both those things work really well. And because all these characters are from different mythologies, I mean, even Morgan Le Fay. I mean, classically associated with King Arthur and being the evil sister, and, you know, that's not what she is in this story, apparently. So I guess we'll see how that goes. She's uh, depicted so cool in this. She's got, like, this face, uh, like, I don't know if it's tattoo or if it's what she's, a veil of some sort. She's just the coolest enchantress you've seen. She's so neat. She looks awesome, but she's very a step removed from, like, classic King Arthur. Like, the way she looks is very much more barbarian-like. So being that same Morgan Le Fay or a different version of Morgan Le Fay because we're dealing with different realities uh, is a good question. Well, which is the truth there? Because like, her depiction is not the classic wizardess right. from the uh, Excalibur movie. Right. But yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, I... The snake people are oh, yeah, dope, are man. So cool again. So cool. The armor that they did for all these demons and the snake people and uh, it, it it's 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 hard to describe because but but the art is 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 intricate where it needs to be and not where it's like a giant battle scene. And right. I'd say it's perfect. I, I really uh, did I say four and a half? Yeah. I, I yeah, it's it I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we were discussing which book to pick and he's like, Well, you know, uh Mike, right? Michael Maurice. Michael, Mike, yeah, he's like Mike wrote this, and he did. And I was like, well, we loved, we loved barbaric. barbaric yeah, right. you know, I was like, I'll read that. I'm glad you picked it. Well, it's a different tone than barbaric as far as like story is concerned. Barbaric is a little more, I guess. I don't know. This book's fun too, but barbaric's a little more haphazard, Slap, fun? slapstick kind of comedy Maybe. as opposed to yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, the, the style of writing is different in both of them. 
Um, it's the same writer, and the man's the man's done a bunch of other stuff that's good too. So as far as that, there's no, it's not lackluster when it comes to the writing at all, and the art is good in it, and all the covers were neat. I mean, the cover we bring with us tonight is the Justice League recreation cover. It is the most simple of the group, but it is still really cool. It is cool. So like, when it comes to art, they, they did a really good job, and when it comes to story, again, there's a lot of names, but because the names are all seated in different mythology, depending on what you know in the world already, some of these things will be like, oh, I recognize that character, or I have no idea who this is at all, and luckily Mr. Brown did the work for you. I, I had to, because I really was intrigued. I was like, these are cool characters. Like, uh, no, no, the, the moment there was a polar bear that showed up, a man who turned into a polar bear, I was like, I am in, CBS knows me. This is so cool. But again, these characters that kind of show up, and Morgan being the person who's, you know, the Nick Fury of it all, putting it together is really cool. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's it's a really fun book. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the turnout for it bees, but winds up being. But yeah, it's it's really fun and it's neat. And the Blaze puts out some pretty good stuff. I mean, they do a lot of translated stuff too that's converted. So like European books turn into American versions. Mm. Um, but yeah, we've done a couple of other books on this show too, actually. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to a company, they've got a bunch of creator owned stuff and they've got a bunch of it's still creator owned. It's just you know international. So yeah. As far as the score, did I score it already? You did not. Okay. Um, I was. I'm pretty high on it. I give it a three and a half. Like it's it's really good. It's fun. I like Michael a lot anyway, just in general. So I mean that is already on the list for me as far as reason to score it the way I did. But I I would say yeah I give it three and a half. The art's entertaining. The story's neat. I mean when it comes to action adventure things again. As soon as I saw the two bro- the two guys at the beginning, I don't know if they're brothers or not. They might as well be in my brain. They are, yeah, because they they they're directly reminding me of the barbarians. And I surprisingly enough watched that movie in the last like four months by happenstance. Well, I was one when that movie came out, so I, I no, no, you're good. I, I've never seen I, it. I wouldn't expect you to know it. And I remember seeing it like back when video stores were a thing, in video stores, and being like, "Man, those guys look buff." And that was about as far as it went. Sure. And memory wise, I don't know if I watched it as a kid or not. I mean, I may have. Probably. But stumbling across it on Tubi. The knockoff Conan, basically. Yeah, basically what it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. It, well, if you have Tubi, it was on there. So, I mean, try to look it up. It's ridiculous. But, yeah. Anyway, so in my brain, I'm just like, it's like the two guys. Is this a whole new series or is it, it a is. mini series? Or It's a, it's a brand new series. I, I want to say it's a mini because of, that's what a lot of what a Blaze does. But because it's something that's new... I don't think they actually announced that at the beginning, so it doesn't have a cap on it as of yet. Well, this might be something I might have to come pick up from the shop because I really do did enjoy it. Sure. They do a lot of property stuff, too. Like I was saying, they do a lot of converts. Sure. So when it comes to f- series, as a company, they're not known for lengthy series anyway, but I don't remember this one having a one of five written with it. Okay. Now that's something I should have looked at before we got here, and I didn't. But I don't remember that being a thing at the beginning. But I'd be surprised if it wasn't, only because of the general shape of a Blaze as a company. I really did like the opening in inside page of this too, because it kind of has. Um, well, it has a quote. It, yeah, it does have a quote. I didn't. Uh, it's a quote from the Crater Conan. Oh, really? The origin of the other, uh, the origins of the other races of the modern world may be similarly, simmer, similarly traced. It's almost every case, old, far, older, far. Than they realized their history stretches back into the midst of the forgotten Hyborian age. Robert E. Howard. 
And that's the dude. All right. I just liked it because it kind of has a cast of who's who in this in this. Oh book. yeah, yeah. The yeah. open the opening pages got the yeah. little headshots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With the no, the names beneath them. Whatever, man. You got me into polar bear. You knew. You knew. You did that on purpose. <laughs> oh man. He did it on purpose. It's good like, stuff. I was gonna like this book. Heck yeah. Giant polar bear ripping people's heads off. It's freaking awesome. I'm in. All right. We'll see. From there, we'll move into Green Lantern. Uh, this is Green Lantern number one from the uh, 2023 line. Because apparently, I feel impelled to, or compelled to say that. You must say the year of everything. I sir. guess. I mean, I didn't with the blaze. It's Friday. You're good. It's, anyway, anyway, this guy is written by uh, Jeremy Adams, and the uh, artist on it is Zermonico. Uh, this does have two stories in it. The front story is uh, Hal Jordan. The back story is John Stewart. Have uh, we done Zermonico before? I think we, we have. have. Yeah, a couple times now oh, that I yeah. yeah that name's it's an artist that's familiar with the show. Yeah, it's a fun name to say, and it is a fun name. It's uh, definitely a crazy name to see. Hard name to read. <laughs> that is very, that is very true. Uh, th- the backup story is written by uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. And the artist on it is, uh, Montrose, Mont, Montos, M-O-N-T-O-S, uh, Montos. Both single name artists. You can go figure. Zermonico makes sense because it's a huge name with lots of letters. Um, anyway, so beginning of the story, we start out and everything is, it's black and we have some dialogue. It's the first voice in the dark says, I can't believe I came back. What was I thinking? And then the next voice says, uh, you were thinking, oh, this is a great job. That you were born to be here, and this is born what you were born to do. And then we pull back a little bit, and we see a very dimly lit group of people um, buried in rubble. And we see one, like what looks like a bracing beam, down on top of one of the guys, like he's pinned underneath it. He's like, "And look where it got me! My legs busted." And then I was like, "Don't worry, somebody's coming." And then the third guy says, "Ah, we're hundreds of feet underground, Jack. Ain't no one coming to save us." He's like, oh, don't think that way, you boys. Like, they, they know we're here. There's someone on the way. Then we get a dimly lit green color off screen. And the guy who's pinned underneath the beam says, what the hell is that? And we get a close-up on the guy in the middle, the one who was hopeful. And he has this giant smile on his face. And you can see it's a, he's weary. And it looks like the man's been down there forever. And he's like, he's back. And this giant... Like his light, you see light in his eyes. You cut to the next page, and then we have a giant. It's it's two page scene. We have a giant scene of Hal Jordan floating down. Green Lantern rings all around him, lifting all this rubble off everyone. He's like, "Hey guys, need a lift?" And you see him flex the Green Lantern ring, showing off, you know. And then we cut to a giant. Hal Jordan being Hal Jordan. Oh yeah, for sure. Like ruling it, man. Uh, we cut to the next page. The next page is the, the header information. It says name of the story, the writer, whatnot. And then we have two paragraphs of dialogue to talk about um, how some of the things have changed and how the way the world is now outside of what we normally expect from Green Lanterns is. Uh, so we talk about how the sector, so Earth sector has been declared by the United Federation. Is that what they call it? Yes. yes. United United Planets. It's not Federation, Federation of oh, Star yeah, Trek. Yeah. But United Planets. I thought exactly the same thing. I believe the Federation's also the fifth element. Yeah, very much. Yeah, it is. Mm, yeah, it is. That, yeah. That's true. Uh so the United Planets have uh declared that sector twenty eight fourteen, which for those of you who don't know, that's Earth Sector. Well, that's Earth Sector, yeah. Um, is unsafe and, and is a liability to the universe. And so sure so Earth should remain um quarantined now 
all the lanterns from Earth have also been reassigned to other places because they're being wasted on Earth, which is a death trap, really. Um, it doesn't say it in those words, but that's what it means. And, I mean, it's true. Everything bad that happens in DC happens at Earth because Earth is the center of the universe. Because we're all simulation. <laughs> anyway, um, so Hal Jordan doesn't necessarily like that so much. And uh, Hal's decided that he doesn't care what the planets want. And even though the Green Lantern Corps now falls underneath the United Planets with the destruction of Oa, they have decided to, and the missing, the removal of the Guardians, the Guardians being gone, um, that the uh, United Planets have basically just absorbed the Green Lanterns as a police force themselves. So uh, it'd be like if your city council quit being that city and all of a sudden your city merged with another city and now you just work for that city, I guess, would be what it's like. Or the FBI shows up and they're like, hey, all you guys work for us now. I mean, cool. Do we get new badges? Like, I mean, no? Okay. Only me? Like, all right. That's all you get. Does it come with a raise? And they're like, no. No, it doesn't. Anyway, Hal doesn't like that. So Hal has gone back to Earth because, you know, he doesn't care about what he's told to do, which is what makes him awesome. Uh, anyway, we cut to the next scene and we see a picture on the inside of a, a picture on the TV with uh, Hal Jordan craning these three guys out from inside and the TV's playing a, a talk about these trap miners and how they were saved today and official news and we cut back farther from that to see whose office we're in. And we are in Carol Ferris' office and she's on the phone with someone trying to arrange a meeting and uh, while that is going on, this is playing in the background and uh, she becomes aware of it and you can see in her face that she's like, oh no. Um, and then the TV plays, uh, Green Lantern has returned to Coast City and of course everyone's happy their superhero's back and Carol's like, oh no. And they have a rocky history. Not, you know, I mean, she was a Star Sapphire for a while. For a while she tried to kill him because she was a Star Sapphire. They were it's, in love. A, it's a whole thing. Well, she says an odd damn when she sees what the TV says. She's not off the phone yet. Um, she's like, no, 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 not you. Um, I'll be there in, in, in two days. Um, I'll get it figured out. Goodbye. So when she sees the TV, it completely distracted her, and she, you know, swore at the person on the phone. Insert your own swear word, I guess. Uh, from there, she grabs her bag, and she starts to get herself ready to leave the office in a hurry. And then the buzzer on her phone starts ringing, being someone from the front room buzzing her and she's like, the voice comes on and says, Miss Ferris, uh, Mr. Jordan's here to see you? And she's like, I'm not here. Um, I have a meeting across town. I'm out of the state. M maybe I'm in Europe. And uh, she walks out the office without even like finishing the reply. She just walks off the door, closes it, leaves the TV on, and we see Hal's face, you know, talking to the cameras. And then we cut back to the, or not cut back, in the, uh, the last thing that the voice on the box says is, uh, uh, Miss Ferris, he's, he's really persistent. And you cut to the next page, and we see her come running out the building. And uh, who's waiting for? Hal Jordan. That's right. <laughs> it's 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 funny. He's like, "Hey, Ferris," as he's leaning against the car. He's like, "Ah, long time no see." You know, smug as always. And she's like, "Ah, you're back." He's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm back." Uh, you look good, Carol. And she's like, "No." He goes, "Uh, no what? No Hal. Not this." I've moved on. I have a boyfriend. He's like, oh, yeah, anyone I know? Because, again, he's Hal Jordan. He's awesome. And she's like, what do you want, Hal? He's like, well, honestly, a job. I mean, I said I'm back. 
She's like, I've heard that before, because he has said that before, in a very similar scenario, actually. He's like, I'm serious. I think maybe uh, it's time and to do something, build some roots. He's besides, uh, have you ever, have you, have you ever seen a better pilot? And she's like, oh, listen, move out of the way. I, I have some place I have to be. I will get a hold of you about something. We'll find you a job. That's not exactly the dialogue. That's abridged. See me tomorrow at eight. Yeah, it's a bunch yeah. of other words. And he's like, you won't regret it. And she's like, I already do. <laughs> which is exactly the words, which is awesome. And she's like, and Hal, where have you been? She says with the window down and she's getting ready to drive off. He's like, I love to tell you tonight over dinner. And she's like, no. And she burns rubber off. <laughs> you know. Hal's the worst. <laughs> He's the worst. He's great. So anyway, we cut to another scene. We're in a bar and the bar's playing the same TV story from earlier. And we got these three guys at the bar and they're all super excited. And one guy's like, oh man, this is great news. The Green Lantern's back. He's like, everybody... Everybody rounds rounds on the house. Rounds man. on the house. And all the guys are like, whoa, that's awesome. I feel safer already. And so they're all belling up to the bar, except for one guy who's in the very back. Who's in a hood. Hood pulled over his face. And his face looks a little different. I mean, it is shaped slightly different. Uh, we eventually zoom in to see his glowing yellow eyes and his awfully pink tone. Mm. So, I mean, if you know, you know. I mean, it's Sinestro. That, that's who it is. It's Sinestro. If you don't know, now you know. And again, I can't say the rest of that song. No, you can't. No. From there, we cut to a scene that says one month earlier, and we see that someone's staring up. We see, well, we see a shot of the cosmos is what we see. And uh, it says, I can hear you now already, Killer Wog. So you gave up flying through the stars to go fly and live in this hole? And we pull back to see that it's Hal sitting on top of this trailer out in the middle of the desert, staring up at the sky, having a conversation with himself, drinking. Listen to the radio. Listen to the radio. The conversation he's having with himself is, of course, with his friends and the way they would talk about him. And he's like trying to, you know, make it, I guess he's trying to make his own position in the world feel okay. Because, like, he's trying to convince himself. And he is he's trying doing. to convince, yeah, That's 100%. He's, he's trying to convince himself. He's like, oh, man. He's like, ah, you know what? I got the best view of the heavens from here. And he, like, toasts the sky. And then the radio, of course, starts playing a, a song. And it's like, don't come around. It's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Don't come around here no more is the song that's playing. And we get some more internal monologue for him. And it's like, this is how it's going to be, huh? This is all I have to look forward to anymore. Either being gone for such a long day and such a long time. And he tosses the, he realizes the bottle's empty and he tosses the bottle out, out in the nowhere. He's like, well, there's a job to do and I'm really good at that job. And uh, there's a little more internal monologue for him. And we cut back around him, open the second drink and... He's like, well, what the hell am I doing? Gonna do back here anyway. And then we hear a call over the radio about trouble. And it's a news break, and it says, it's time for the news at the top of the hour. Reports coming in from downtown of attack. And of course, you know, as it describes what's going on, it talks about their, the person that's causing the attack is shooting green beams. And, uh, these green lasers have got everybody terrified. And he looks at his keychain for his, for his truck, and he says, well, um, he looks at the, he doesn't actually say anything. He looks right at it and he jumps down off the roof and runs over, gets in his truck, and starts driving downtown. Which is a little weird, but it's fine. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Because at this point, no one knows he's back yet and he's still kind of playing that to the vest. 
Anyway, so it talks about the police. The police are trying to deal with the situation. Everybody get out of downtown, and as he drives, he's still listening to the radio on the truck. And uh, we see a big explosion of like fire coming from the middle of the city. And he, Hal pulls up, and there's all these cars backed up, people running away. And we zoom in to where the situation is, and there's this dude dressed in basically red and he's red and black and silver mm-hmm. for the most part. And he's like, run, little pigs, run, run from still fury. And he's blasting this green power out, just nuking everything. And uh, this cop comes running by Hal, and he's like, oh, hey, pal, you got to get out of here. And Hal's like, what is it? And he's like, oh, we don't have any ideas. You can't, it's it's the craziest thing ever. He, he basically just is telling him, you got to get out of here, man. We don't know what's going on. And he's like, hey, pal, did you hear me? You got to get out of here. And uh, he's like, there's nothing we can do. And, of course, we see Hal make the stern face and... From there, we cut to today. So we're jumping back and forth in time a little bit. And now we're out in the sky above the desert. And there's these two planes flying along, and the two planes are talking to each other. And they're both like, I can't believe this guy's late. The only reason we're here is because of him. And then about that time, we see a green air bubble. And uh, in comes flying another plane. And this plane, of course, is Hal Jordan. Knowing that it's green words that are Hal's. And he basically starts taunting the other two pilots. The plane is green, too. The, yeah, the plane, of course, is green. It makes sense. And we see a, a, a shot of him in the cockpit with his uh, visor on, and he's like, oh, good morning, aviators. This is your Captain Hal Jordan, Hal Highball Jordan, enjoying this fire in summer's day and the high flying. And then we cut to a room full of computers, and it's got Carol, and she's like, Hal, you gotta, what are you doing? I brought you here to prove that you can keep up with these people, and you're... You're being ridiculous. And she's like, just ignore his nonsense. And he's like, Roger that, queen of the Zamazons. Not Amazons, Zamazons. It's funny. And one of the pilots says, what, Zamazons? She's like, yeah, just ignore him. Keep keep, keep going. And so she says, put him through his paces. And so we see the two planes launch in front of him. The idea is to go through this canyon and everyone keep up with each other. So it's a test to see whether he can hang with the other two pilots. This is Top Gun. Yeah, it's Top Gun. So the two of them are flying around all crazy, and they're like, where did the other guy, did we already lose him? Is he not keeping up? Like, what is happening? And about that time, he streaks to the middle of both of them, and he shoots in front of them all crazy style. And again, it's Top Gun. They're racing through the canyon, and he's now proven that not only can he go faster, he can go harder than anybody else. And uh, as he's flying along, there's this goat up on top of a ridge, and the poor goat. Poor goat. Like, it's poor goat. He fly by. He flies by the goat, and the goat goes flying. Yeah, he's like, ah. it's hilarious. It's funny. Um, anyway, as he sweeps into the, the canyon, we get to the dead end of the canyon, and he starts getting told, "Oh, you gotta slow down. You gotta slow down. You're gonna have to pull up." And uh, as he's not slowing down, but he's trying to pull up, eventually we get to the top of the ridge, and again, it's, it's Top Gun. Top Gun Two actually is what it is. Exactly. And of course, down to Good Morning Aviators 100%. for the record. Oh yeah. It's a straight up Top Gun, yeah, 100%. Well, of course, Hal's plane doesn't quite make it over the ridge, and we see it explode. We have a voice from the monitors scream, Hal! And then we pull back to see Hal inside of a simulation unit. He's been flying a drone. This isn't a real plane. Neither of the other two were real planes. And he's like, oh, whoops, that was a mistake. He's like, hey, Carol, these drones are really something, aren't they? And next thing you know, she's got him in her office reading the riot act about expense and what are you doing? He's like, if that was a real plane, Carol, I would have totally made that. I would never have missed that if it was a real plane. And she's like, that's not how things are done anymore, man. Like, we don't use, like, none of the military uses that stuff. Real pilots, that's not how any of this works anymore. 
And she's like, how you just don't think you, you never do. And then we cut to one month earlier and we're back to Hal in the truck. And, uh, the officers, he's gotten back and he's trucking. He's decided to drive further in. The officer's like, what do you think you're doing? You can't, you, what do you think you're doing? And Hal rushes in there with his truck and he drives the truck square into the, uh, dude that's been shooting the lasers. 100%. And like T-bones him. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, Hal takes to <laughs> whooping the dude, not even in Green Lantern clothes yet. Like he full on grabs up a bar and like cracks the dude across his face. And he's like, and we, then we get close with Hal's face and he says, Wait, that suit, you need to get that off be- before, and we see a cut to the guy's face, and we see the lines on his face, and the line that just appeared on his face after he got hit with the bar, and if you know what it is, you recognize the suit. If you don't recognize the suit, Hal's going to explain in a second. Um, from there, the dude blasts Hal with this green light again. He's like, I'm getting nothing off. That's not how he says that. I'm not getting out of nothing. The way I said it was way more not right. But anyway, he's he's like, I'm taking it off at all, is basically what he says. The second one is the real one. That's what he actually says. And we cut to him looking at the ring, looking at his fist, you know, depowering with smoke of green coming off it. He's like, I found this thing in the, on the Tariff Bay a couple months ago. Couldn't get it to work, and then one day it just turned on. And he's pretty proud of himself for having it. He's like, it turned on all by itself. And then we see Hal, like, smoking, kind of. And he's like, you don't know what you're dealing with. You, well, you don't know what you're doing. That's manhunter armor. It's dangerous. He goes, that's what I'm counting on. Later, hero. And he blasts him again, like, radi- like trying to kill him style. And uh, partway through the blast, he realizes it's not working like he hoped. And he's like, what the? How are you not a pile of ash? Like, what? what are you doing? And about that time, we see the house blocking it with his hand. Of course, Green Lantern power hand. He's like, what I was always meant to do to evil's might. Which is a pretty cool, I thought that was a really cool line. And he basically stands up, he's like, that suit was made a long time ago. And by annoying blue aliens, its power source is manufactured with willpower. And buddy, there ain't anyone on Earth with more willpower than me. And we see his suit come on, and the dude's like, Ooh, who are you? And then it pulls back, and he's got the cocky look on his face again. He's like, take a guess. And he's full-on transforming into the Green Lantern. It's so movie awesome, man. I was... And I know Hal's not your favorite guy. It's too on the nose, man. It's just too <laughs> on the nose for me. Uh, I thought it was awesome. And the Manhunter suit like provokes all this, like... Like, what the hell? First off, it's a person wearing it, yeah. not a robot. Yeah. Second off, how is it functioning? Why is it functioning? If the blue guys aren't around and they lost control of these things in the first place, like, what is going on? This is the craziest thing ever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the whole United Planets thing comes in more question than you'd expect. At least for me, it did. Sure. Anyway, that's where the first part of the story ends. Um, we cut from there to the John Stewart part of the story, which initially, I mean, that's... That's where the split in the book is, and we full-on cut scenes and even style of art. This is where um, Monaco, I think is what it was, takes over? I believe so, yes. Uh, we see an old woman. She's sitting in her kitchen, and she's got the kettle on, and she's obviously made herself some tea or coffee, one of the two, and she hears this kind of chunk-chunk coming from the backyard. And she looks outside, and the gentleman says, Hey, Mama, 
I'm sorry if I woke you, and it's John. And he's obviously says, you know, it's, it's his mom. And he says, I'm, I got some unexpected time off. I'm not sure where I'm going to land yet. I figured you probably hadn't torn down the old shed, and I thought I'd build you a new one um, while I figure out where I'm going next, if that's okay. And she runs up to him and just gives him a giant hug. Says, John, what are you doing here? Are you all right? Can you stay a while before you head back to space again? And John says, I'm not going into space, Mama. Kind of a lot's happened, and I need time. I'm here. I'm home. She says, John, I know I gave you a scare, but I'm all right. I don't need anyone to take care of me. Besides, I know you will, uh, I know, I know you. Uh, someone will need you, need you to be their hero, and you've always, and you'll have to leave again, and that's okay. And John says, not this time, Mama. I did what I set out to do, and I think this is where I need to be right now. So that's John's portion. And then from there, we see another universe, another time. <clears throat> and we see, I, I believe that's... It appears to be Guy Gardner. Yeah. But with very long hair. Yep. And it's grayed out at the ends. He's he is, got a beard, and yep. he is in rough shape. He's in rough shape. We see somebody else, and he's saying, Gardner, Gardner, uh, they're coming through, they're coming through, and we're at some kind of space station that appears to be made with some kind of um, construct. Gardner, the radiant dead, they're... Uh, and uh, Gardner says, it's not, it's not radiant dead. John killed the bright revenant years ago. Don't know what these things are, but the radiant dead are extinct. My construct won't hold them. And he says, Shepard, so this guy's Shepard. Who's Shepard? Don't know. Somebody knew. Uh, Shepard, if those things extinguish the watchfire, every ring in the universe will go dark. You can't let that happen. And Shepard says, I'm just, and I don't know, I don't know what to do. And Gardner says, I know you're just a kid, but we're, that's all we're, that's all that we, you're all we have left. And Rainer sent you to me because he saw something in you. Now charge your ring on the eternal watchfire and get ready to fight like hell. So Shepard comes over to the watchfire and he puts his ring up and he says, I am the lantern in the dark, the torch that batters back at the night. Let evil cower in the light of all who wear the Green Lantern's mark. And boom, this giant explosion happens. And we see Gardner lying on the ground and he says, it's you. And he looks up and there's this purple, disgusting, decaying hand and it's smoke all around it, and it says, I remember this one. I saw him in my dreams the day my darling boy was slain. And he blasts a blast of energy at, at Gardner, and uh, Shepard says, Gardner! And the, the beast says, but thou, but thou art unknown to me, little thing. <laughs> and Shepard constructs this giant gun, and he starts shooting at him and says, I am the lantern in the dark, I am the lantern in the dark, and... <laughs> This guy just blasts him with a blast of energy, and this kid's brand new. He knows nothing as far as Green Lanterns are concerned, and he just, his construct falls apart, and he flies away. And the beast says, and neither of these slew my, neither of these slew my sweetling. And only one of thee had the metal. <clears throat> Where is thy master? No one thou calls builder. And guardian, bring me John Stewart, or his world burns at the hands of the Revenant Queen. And we see all these dead purple 
constructs, I think? That's what they look like. They don't look like... They don't. They look like entities, not necessarily humans. Um, they don't appear to have physical form. Um, so yeah, it's the Revenant Queen, and uh, she is uh, fighting Gardner and Shepard. Killing kill the Green Lanterns from another universe. Yeah. And seems hell-bent on Jon Stewart, but which Jon Stewart? And when she says Jon Stewart's world, this is a hell of an entity. And whether it's, cool. it's bringing zombie things with it or not... Because it's hard to say if they're all constructs. Because the way they're shaped isn't how Green Lantern constructs are drawn. No, they're like spirits. But they're like, yeah, they're like ghostly. Yes. Whether they're self-controlled entities or not, it's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough in that particular scene to know that. But it's definitely bad news for basically everybody in that world from what we can see. I mean, Guy looked really cool. He did look cool as an older... As an, as an old man about old man, to die, white which is hair, unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's white on the, it, like, it's not, the way it's colored is like white mixed in with red, and it looks, it looks pretty cool. Anyhow, yeah, that, that, that final catch at the end definitely dealing with other pieces of the universe, which is also crazy. Mr. Brown, what would you give that book as a score? Um, I, I give it a two and a half. I, man, Hal's just not my style. He's too on the nose. Uh, <laughs> he really is. And it, it, the Top Gun thing, I was like, okay. This is, and then it pulls out. It's a simulator. I was like, man, this is just anyway. And again, it did feel very nostalgic because we've seen how I've seen how do this multiple times now. Oh, I'm back in town, kind of thing. Right. So it, it seemed a little played out to me. So, um, but having Gardner at the end is cool. Um, John Stewart, I can take or leave. It was. It's a touching moment with his mom. The art's cool. Um, yeah, I, I give two and a half. Right in the middle. All right. Um, I give it a three. Like I, I like it a lot. It's, I think coming to it is if you never read, never read Green Lantern before, and this is your first like foray of it, you get three different pieces of three different lanterns. And yeah, guys is not what we normally expect from guy and isn't proper guy Gardner. Um, cause again, it's in the future where he's old and a different universe and so things are a mess. But I mean, as far as like Hal Jordan being Hal Jordan, if you've never read a Hal book before, and the last thing you did read was John's series, this would give you a pretty good palette of what the dude is. Sure. Yeah, he's... It's very Hal. He's cocky, and he's self-sure, and yeah. as far as his... He's his own worst enemy. 100%. Like, that's 100% of the problem. And, like, the idea that we, we have so many bad guy things going on in here, like, the thing with the man... The dude with the man under suit, like, how that's a thing at all is crazy. This United... Federation thing, the United Planets thing is crazy. The end with the Queen is crazy. There is good setup, for sure. So, like, yeah. as far as avenues for this book can run, it's cool that we got all three guys, even though Guy isn't our proper guy. And we get the mention of Kyle. And we did get a mention of Kyle, too. Granted, it's not the right universe, Kyle. Doesn't matter. But at least there was a drop of the name. That's right. So, that would make one guy in the podcast super angry. But it cool it was there. I'm I'm cool it was there. No, it's good that it's there. I'm angry because he wasn't in the book. Oh, well, Kyle's my favorite too. But still, he's. It, I'm just I'm just glad they said his name. Right, right. Shepard seems cool. That's a cool idea to have. I mean, obviously, there's been Green Lanterns recently, you know, with him, but or newer than him, not newer than him. He's the newest, but knowing who he is and where he comes from, that's exciting. Sure. Everyone, everyone, everyone loves when a new when a new New Lantern shows up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the rest of the book spins from. I got I dug it a lot. Um, the Sinestro thing, I mean, clearly. Sinestro's playing the Sinestro role from what we can see, and that was pretty cool. Um, you know, it's a. I thought it was pretty cool, number one. We haven't had a Green Lantern book after the Jon Stewart series. It's been a, almost a year 
no, a little longer than that, actually, a year and a half since there's been a proper Green Lantern um, series with any of the guys. So that's cool. Last month we got Green Arrow. Now we have Green Lantern. Sure. It's a whole round robin. Yeah, I'd give it a three. I thought it was pretty cool. But I'm, I am a, I'm a, I am a how guy. Like, I like all those dudes. Like, it, as far as a weakness in the chain, I think the only one that I find a weakness to really is Baz, and that's just because there's not enough material. There's not enough of him, yeah. So, like, he was cool when he showed up. He was cool last time we saw him. And, you know, at this point, I they get put on the shelf and we won't play with him again. Right. I mean, maybe. We don't know, yeah. So, okay. Oh, but I, I dug it. For number one, I thought it was a bunch of good setup pieces. Then again, I mean, if if you've never read Hal, then it's a good showing for Hal. If it is on the nose, it is the character. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Right, right. And the art's good throughout the whole book. The all three styles of art are good. So I actually preferred the John and 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 uh, Gardner stuff more than the rest of the book. The sheep thing's funny. What? The sheep, the sheep getting, oh, yeah. goat, whatever, sheep, goat, you know, it's livestock. A, it's a mountain goat. It's very funny. It's a mountain goat that, he buzzed the mountain goat. Yeah, it's funny. It's so messed up. Goat didn't know what was happening. Um, alright, so from there, we'll go and run the interview from, uh, WonderCon. Uh, again, this is, a, this is, uh, with, uh, Jacques Kutzman. And, uh, talking about her book, Warhead, and, uh, it's, it's her and, uh, her and her, her and her hype man, John. So uh, we'll go and run that for you. Both awesome people. They were super cool to talk to. Um, have a lot of cool things going on. So I say definitely try to check out their stuff um, as far as their uh, material in the world. And she's got an Instagram account too. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you go to that website, the uh, BioLumen, BioLumenPress.com, you can find links to everything and it'll take you around. But she's she's real cool to talk to and he was really great to talk to too. So there was, it was a real cool thing to run into them out at the WonderCon. Uh, we're going to run that, and I'll be back in just a second. Hey guys, it's Steve at South Five Comics Podcast here at WonderCon 2023, and I am here with... John Grillo. And Kaj Kunstmann. And you guys are? Biolumen Press. Right on. Okay, the art's awesome. Like, I like what I see. How'd you get in doing this art at all? I mean, I started drawing when I was very young, and unfortunately, I have a tragic history as a weeb. So um, that influenced things significantly, and then film school took it in a slightly different direction. And then when I couldn't really, you know, live in the country where I got my film degree, I came back here and figured if I can draw and I can write, I'll just make comics. Sure. Well, it's basically doing storyboards anyway, right? Which I do as well, yeah. Hey, okay, double, that's, that's good. All right, so what's your uh, pitch me with the book is? I got my pitch man here. Tell me about this book. So Warhead is a surreal slice of life comic about Adam. He is an American graffiti artist living in London with an acid green atom bomb for a head. And what he doesn't know is that if he can't get his shit together and make it through therapy, the world is going to end. Oh, fantastic. You want to expand that a little bit? Yeah, it's sort of the world that Adam lives in. Um, all of the characters in Warhead have either an animal head, object head, or monster head, or monster body, which is sort of a reflection of Adam's perception of the world and how he feels, um, and that sort of ties into the narrative of him having to figure things out, get through therapy, and work on himself, which can be pretty challenging, and that you can't really fake it through improving yourself. You actually have to sit down and do the hard work and 
whatever that work is, and in Adam's case, it's therapy. Um, I started the project when I probably should have been in therapy myself. Didn't really realize it till I was a couple issues in and actually started going to therapy. And so it's sort of been an outlet for me to work through my own issues or come to terms with them and grow through them. And I've been making this comic since 2013, so about 10 years now. The first two volumes are over 400 pages. Um, the third volume will be finished this December and out to print by WonderCon next year. And as much as I've grown, the character in the project has grown too. So it's something that's very personal and close to my heart. So if folks want to get your book and they don't get to come to WonderCon, where is it we can get your stuff? BioLuminPress.com, which will redirect to our Etsy shop. We are in future possibly moving away from Etsy, but that URL will always direct to our shop no matter what. Yeah. Well, as far as like style, like what do you think? Where where would you say your style derives from? Like, is there anybody that you look at and say that's that's what I like to do? Where's your style come from? Art style, you mean? Um. So, as far as like big media like influences, I would say like media that I watch like Fully Cooley, Evangelion, Gynex material, um, Scott Sean Murphy, um, uh, Punk Rock Jesus, as well as he's sort of niche, but Michael Katchen, I believe his name is. He's done some art for some Magic the Gathering cards, but I started following him on DeviantArt when I was in like high school and college. But his style is really kind of graphic and illustrative like that, um, which the first few issues are, but the style evolves over time again because I've been doing it for 10 years. Um, as far as the cleaner style that I have now, um, Fiona Staples, Loish, uh, there was another one, but my brain's on empty. But <laughs> the, yeah. the show, those are all great names. As far as people learning from or borrowing from, it's a great. All right, and you were saying you're planning to expand your website and then your footprint in general? Yeah, our hope is to step away from Etsy and develop our own uh, storefront on BioLuminPress.com. And we want to look to bring in other artists and writers into the BioLumin Press family and kind of think about it as a way to explore monstrous stories, stories with the surreal element, and stories that really have a deeply character-driven narrative at the base. Fantastic. All right, we do a couple weird questions. What is your go-to karaoke song? Um, Hotel California. Or, or, um... God, it's the Queen song. Why can't I remember it? We will rock you. No, 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 no. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, oh. Bohemian Rhapsody. So either Kota California or Bohemian Rhapsody. Good choices. And you? Uh, Sweet Disposition by the Temper Trap. Oh man. Okay. I like it. Okay. All right. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you only take five items with you, what five items would you take? Oh man, I'm gonna die real fast, aren't I? Um, let me see, a solar, solar panel chart, I, like, my brain immediately goes to, to escape? To, yeah, trying to escape like, this desert desert island? escape, I mean, like, yeah, I'd be like, solar panel, Wi-Fi hotspot, satellite, phone, so I can get home to my cats, but if I'm never leaving, and those, if I, if I can't have those objects, then, um, probably, like, I don't know, a tent, some vegetable seeds um, and my cat yeah I mean the cat can hunt the mice uh, yeah and then sunscreen very good choice a hundred percent I don't get along with the sun either not at all no, no, no. it's terrible as much as we need it, it's terrible it is terrible I'm a vampire at heart <laughs> vampire at heart <laughs>
Yeah. And you, sir? Man, uh, I'm probably going to stay on the island, but uh, I'm going to take my wonderful partner, Kaj, with me, oh, number one. Fucker. <laughs> You're trapped. No, you're both stuck and both things can go together. <laughs> See? Right, now you get ten. We'll bring all the cats. They count as one item. Uh, and then um, uh, probably like a tiny house to start and the vegetable seeds. That's way too smart. I love that. And then uh, some sort of solar-powered electrical system and lots of parts. I think that's way more than like five items. I think if you add them together and since you stuck the two of you together, it's perfect. It works out just fine. We won't die. No, no, we'll survive. No death, yeah. (laughs) Kind of the goal. If you lived in fantasy land, would you ride a chocolate pony? No, too melty. Too melty. Right? Right, exactly. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with that, too. I was like, it's not going to make it. (laughs) Not practical. Not practical. But I'd hang out with the chocolate pony if it talked. I would totally. Same, yeah. same. I'd be like, Yo. it is fantasy land, so sure. Yeah, let's hang out. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to us, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Right on. And like I said, I, the, the amount of art that I got to see at, at her booth was really great. So, if nothing else, go check that out, like her stuff, uh, do the whole follow thing on Instagram and whatnot. I haven't read the book. Uh, you just kind of brought it tonight, but the art is really cool. I really enjoy the style of it. Um, it's in black and white, which is really cool. Um, it, 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 it has a, a very particular style, and I dig it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like, when I was talking to her, and I know the interview, we we talk about it a little bit, but this is something she's she's been working on for ten years. Like she put a lot of work into this thing, and like the cover alone pops so well with this it neon pops, green. Absolutely, it's so cool. Like the the books, it just it, I can't imagine doing the whole book like that. That would be no. Yeah, that would be twenty years. She it take her ten years to color all that. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but but yeah, both really cool people. Um, you know, give them a follow, give them a like, check out their stuff. They definitely deserve it. They're fantastic. Um, so you from there, what'd you learn today, Mr. Brown? Um, so I did a little research, uh, while you were thumbing through that Green Lantern book, and apparently The Mighty Barbarians is actually a 1969 anthology of fantasy short stories. Um, so this concept is, uh, not a new one, which really fascinated me and I thought was super cool. Um, of course, uh, your gentleman who created Conan was a part of it. Yeah, so a, a collection of characters. Now, they are all characters of the Knight era or close to it. Um, they're not necessarily uh, time-jumping or world-jumping or reality-jumping like they do in this book, but I thought that was pretty neat. I was like, oh, that's cool. You kind of repurposed that title to do something awesome with it. Well, yeah, and uh, I mean, Ablaze does a lot of uh, books that are adaption books anyway, so that's cool. If it came from somewhere else, that's a neat adaption. Yeah, I just saw the characters here too. Where was it? And Robert E. Howard, he he wrote a lot of other stuff too, and like a lot of because he he's he's the same guy that was responsible for uh, um, Warlord of Mars and. Uh, so Conan uh, is a part of this book, um, and Thongor, which we which is in the book as well. Yeah, yeah. So it appears. Thongor comes from that barbarian realm or whatever. Gotcha. So, 
Well, yeah, that guy, he wrote a lot of stuff. There's a lot of novels, and a lot of his books get adapted into Conan comics also. So, yeah, I mean, as far as the thing, there's there's another character, too, that's a, Solomon Kane. Solomon, yeah, Solomon Kane is another one of his, too. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other characters. Belit, uh, the, the, the Pirate Queen. It, the dude had a lot of other characters, and some of them intersected with Conan, and some of them didn't. Uh, Solomon King is a Quaker guy. He was a different time frame. Basically, witch hunter is what he was. Anyway, yeah, no, I, it's neat stuff to learn. I mean, yeah, I definitely learned that. I thought that was really cool. And I'm not going to say anything else I learned until you do, because I always take three or four. So. <laughs> Man, usually I make somebody else tell me what they what I learned. Actually, that's how this works. Oh, what did you learn? What oh, I learned? Right. What I learned today, Mister Brown. Um... That Batman's filming in January? I mean, or, or Superman, sorry. Superman's filming in January. Oh, oh you learned that uh, um, Willem Dafoe is going to be in Beetlejuice, too? That's true. I did learn that. Did learn that. Huh. You're a massive love for uh, polar bears? Man, huge fan of polar bears. Especially when they're ripping people's limbs <laughs> off, man. That was so cool. That would definitely be something that I learned. So cool. How much you love polar bears. Now, if there's polar bear flavored cereal, how you'd never be out of it. That's correct. I don't know if it tastes like polar bears, but they're just on the box. Just but on the box. I don't really know. We we don't eat polar bears. No, we they eat us. That's also something that I think is probably true. Yep. That and drink Coke while they do it. So. They do. You know, they're fun. They're definitely fun. You know the polar bears' coats aren't white? What color are their coats? They're clear. Like, their hairs that like are on them are actually clear. Oh, yeah. There's just so much abundant of them that it shows white. I did not know that. See, now that's something for real learning. Ah! Man. See, you go full circle, eventually you run into something that might sort of matter on a quiz show someday. There you go. Interesting. I thought you were going to tell me they're like suede or something. I'm like, you're talking about the ones they put on on the outside? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yep. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Well, this has gone on too long. Which is perfect. Uh, do you have any video game news there, Omigo? I do. A lot of uh, Mortal Kombat news coming out. Um, really, really fun stuff. Mortal Kombat should get announced, we're guessing, by the end of the month. Um, lots of delays, because that's what happens with this industry and video games and stuff like that. But um, Mortal Kombat, super exciting stuff from what I understand. They're rebooting the entire franchise, going back to Mortal Kombat 1, messing with the timeline again. Um, super fun stuff. So, wow, that's cool. I would have preferred an Injustice 3, but the state of Warner Brothers is not at a point where they can do that. So, Sure. Well, it is what it is. Um, see, from there, we do some books to watch. Um, there is actually going to be a Street Fighter Six book coming out pretty soon. Dope. So that's pretty cool. Um, that looks like an awesome game, man. That's exciting. And then they started a uh, miniseries for Darkstalkers. That's a Felicia-flavored miniseries. Really? Darkstalkers yeah. is still around? I mean, as a property, it exists, yeah. Hmm. They haven't done anything game-wise in a long time. Mm-hmm. But, but successful, really... successful property, though. Oh, yeah. So she's got a miniseries happening coming out from Udon, Udon Comics. And uh, Street Fighter 6 is also going to come out from Udon. They're pretty much the go-to with Street Fighter books nowadays. That book should probably be out because I think it's June like 5th or 6th when that when um, Street Fighter 6 comes out. So um, it's, it's got to be the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a crossover book happening with Street Fighter 2. Um, not to the game, 2 is in as well. Man, what was it though? Street Fighter and something that I thought was... New Turtles? Uh, don't quote me on that. I can't remember that. Just forget I even said that. 
You say, you should cut it out, Steve. I'm, I already have other things I gotta cut out. He's got other things. You got too much you gotta cut too out. Too much to cut out, so I'm not doing that there. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you like Street Fighter stuff, there's gonna be Street Fighter 6, and as far as story elements, I'm sure it'd be full of those. Uh, if you are a Doc Starkers fan, which you should be, um, there's that book as well to check out. Um, uh, Image is getting ready to put out Void Rivals. I'd say, get in front of it. You're gonna have to get that book, uh, as a thing. Um, then there was a, Oh gosh, there's something else I was really excited about the other day, and I can't remember what it was. Does Capcom do the book? No, Udon Comics puts out the book. P- puts out the the, mm-hmm. the Street Fighter book. That's yeah. cool. They do a lot of the art books too. Like Udon mostly does art books. Uh, when they do do comic books, it's usually Street Fighter flavored, really. Sure. Um, they've done a bunch of different. Oh, they did that that Zangief when we yes. that was all in the woods. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, same. People. Was it Zangief? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, they did the same. Most years they have a free comic day book, which actually they had one this year as well. Nice. So uh, a little setup for the regular series is what it was. Uh, but yeah, they they do a lot of property pieces. I mean, game stuff. So Persona has a batch of books, and they put those out. Oh, I don't um, have time for Persona. Gosh. <laughs> right. Those games are so long. Um, the Spider-Man 2 video game prequel comic, we talked about it last week. That was not on free comic book day. It's no, supposed it to not. be... It's supposed to be next month, I think. No, it came out this. It came out the same week, actually. Oh, okay. It was, it was just um, the same week. As... It was a promotional piece, not a free comic day book. Got it. Uh, which was confused by several different websites, apparently. Yes, it was. Because um, it's not. Uh, it's a promotional book to promote the game. Which you say, well, that sounds like the same thing, except that it's not. Uh, it wasn't a book that you could order to stores. You either got sent them or you didn't. Um, so. If you don't know, now you know. Good luck finding it. Right. That's the, that, that's the whole thing, man. You need like to stop using that phrase because you do. can't finish that sentence. I keep getting myself in trouble. As funny as I think it is, <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I apologize if I offended anybody and I didn't mean to. You did not. Hopefully you stuck around at the end to hear that because yeah. it wasn't intended to be. No. It, I, my brain's just like, it's so funny. And I'm like, you should stop. It's like four times this episode. I think it's just twice, but. Ah, it doesn't matter. It's all good. So two, two times too many. Two times too many. Two times too many. Uh, yeah. As far as other books. Um, I mean, there's a slew of other stuff coming out, pretty much regular, as far as like chasey books or whatever. Um, we got a new Avengers series starting next week that looks really cool. Um, it's just a new number one, so moving forward. Of course, new Wonder Woman's getting ready to happen, and that's going to be Tom King. Mm-hmm. And if it has any presence the same way Supergirl did, I could easily see it turn into something else. Sure. Because he's already on the board. Absolutely. So, with that in mind, if you're looking for books that are adapted or books that lead to other things movie-wise. Very well could be. I'm going to say it'd be a good thing to get. I've said it the past couple of weeks, if you're not playing Marvel Snap, please do it. It is, I, I'm, I'm sure people are, but it made like $2 million its first week. It's been out a while now. Right. Iron Lad just came to the Marvel Snap. He is a really fun card. Um, the variants are so cool. Um, I got a couple Jim Lee variants that I was super excited about. Nice. Um, yeah. Please play Marvel Slap and support those guys over. I think their second dinner, I want to say, is the name of their um, company. They put out monthly updates, battle passes, all that stuff. It is so much fun. Right on. Bridging off variants, there's also going to be a new Loki series. Oh, really? It has nothing to do with Loki, the show, but the variants reminded me of it. Uh, So he's getting a new comic series where he's hunting down lost artifacts of Asgard. Looks cool. The test pictures. I read about are that. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah looks yeah. looks pretty neat. I may have talked about it last episode too. Actually, now that I think about, it, I think I did. I think it was the previous because I think I was on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I and yeah. then I looked it up and I was like, "Oh, that looks cool." Yeah, it looks cool. So I mean, that would be another one. Uh, but yeah, 
I guess that's it. I think that's it, man. I think we covered everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything segued so nice. Tonight. There was everything some, there's flowed. some weird flow in there, and then well. some weird humor. It's good times. <laughs> um, yeah, check out our website, topfivecomicspodcast.com. Has links to all of our other shows as well. Um, like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff, because you know you're supposed to shill somewhere during the show. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. That's that's true. If they like things that you like, hopefully they wind up liking us. That sounded not like the right way to say that. Anyway, workshop the fivers thing because that's what we need. To have I done. like the fivers. I think it that's cool. Wasn't horrible. And it the top fivers. I ha- think that's cool. Mistake. How are we ten years and that's the first? You did it, man. That's all on you. It's all st- the top fivers. I would be. I'm proud to be a top fiver. Man, that's a that's a thing. Do you ship people comics if they order on your website? Well, we don't have a regular website for ordering. I do have a couple guys I ship stuff to in the state occasionally it's not a normal thing so it's gotcha. not that we can't it's that i just don't get me asked but for it, would actually. you i mean sure so buy comics from top five comics i mean sure the number's on there call him he'll, he'll, he'll ship stuff to you oh last ronin if you're again i said it i said it two weeks ago i'm saying right. again getting adapted into a video game um, it's going to be years before it comes out as a video game but i'm telling you right now that book is going to be hard to find very very soon um Amazon just dropped it by a couple bucks, and people were flying to it. So. Right. Well, it's a good book. Like it the, is a good book. The, the TMNT, the, actually the last run in Lost Years is only halfway through, um, so it's got two more books before it's over, and it's a mix of Turtles after that book and Turtles before that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, put together pretty well. Uh, for a continuation piece, It was pretty. it's pretty cool so far. Uh, so if you want to the future, future of the Turtles... That's the place to be. Um, after that, Taki. 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 